office killer. Kiss, kiss, say. Fa, 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 better. Hide those bodies and run, run, run away. Put on lipstick. Ay, 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 ay. It should have been ay, ay, brows. Because her eyebrows be crazy. Yeah, they be crazy. I don't know if there's such a thing as an opposite of on fleek, but she might have eyebrows that are off fleek. They are way off Is that a thing? Can you off fleek? Now it is. It is now. We've invented off fleek. Yeah, I think so. Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, here to the greatest horror movie review podcast in this galaxy and beyond. Why, it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most. It's me, your best pal in all the world, Uncle Ben. And me, that guy you kind of know, Hollywood Steve. Oh, Lord have mercy. And it's me, Carol Kane. That's my Carol Kane impression. It's me, Pedo Caveman, as well. <laughs> no, that guy's out. I'm here. That guy's not Are here. Are we doing Jeepers Creepers, too? <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> you got a Carol Kane in you? Think that's no, what you pull I can't. Off? I can't you don't want to pull off the Carol Kane? I can't do Carol Kane, man. Mine's not even close. Yeah, yeah, people are just shaking their heads right now. They're like, not it. Yeah. Not nailing it. Lillian yeah. is listening right now. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to have to get the Banana Boys in on In her him. tugboat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so weird seeing her and like Kimmy Schmidt uh-huh. and stuff and like the Adams family yeah. and then seeing her in this like yeah where she's playing like a serious weirdo role yeah 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 she's good so- at playing weirdos yeah but this one's a serious people weirdo. on the outer fringes of society yeah. if yeah. I'll put it that way yeah office killer is gonna be the subject of our show today but you know what Steve before we can even start this thing I gotta get me a pull yeah I'm I'm pullless right <laughs> yeah, now I was looking at you over there and you look like all push I ain't had a pull in hours <laughs> you're all push I'm no all Pushed out. Yeah, all push, no pull. Let's have us a sip of a, a wonderful fan-donated beer here. This, this came from, from Tim, right? Our man, Tim, in yeah. Michigan. He's a Michiganer. Yeah. He gave us a whole bunch of good stuff that we've been consuming here. This is a New Holland Brewing The Poet Oatmeal Stout, which I yeah. I think I've had this before while like on tour or something. But okay. We like a New Holland yeah, over New here, New Holland man. Dragon's Milk is yeah. the shit. Um, What's the proof on that stuff? It's like fucking 11, Dragon's 12. Dragon's Milk's high it's up high. there, yeah. It's so good, mm-hmm. man. This poet is looking it's, stout. It does. It looks very stout. It looks like Earl. Yeah, it, it does. It just looks like straight up cold brew coffee. It, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. look too fizzy. We've had a couple stouts yeah, stuff just here lately. A little bit kind of fizz in it. Yeah. Kind of effervescent. This one looks pretty still. Get your pull of that. I typically like me an oatmeal stout, and it's been stout drinking season for me lately for some reason. That's just been getting good to me. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Really? Right. It has a raven on it. That's it does. Like, yeah, it does I'm, indeed. I'm assuming it's referring to Poe. I was kind of hoping it'd be, give me some mo. Uh, yeah. Uh, quote the raven, give me some mo. Quote Busta Rhymes. Quote Busta. Give me some mo. Give me some mo. The poet of our generation, yeah, Busta Rhymes. That's for sure. Man, I'll, I'll jam that Busta stuff all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Busta Rhymes is great. This is great. This, you know what? This is the Busta Rhymes of beers. It is. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it is. It's that's I really, mean, really like, nice. Really, it's not super boozy. There. Yeah. But it's like it's 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 muted. It's not like mm. forward. It's got it does have some effervescence though. Surprisingly, it does, actually, a little yeah. bit of of uh, of fizz. When the you aftertaste it. is nice and earthy too. Like, mm-hmm. it, but it, it doesn't have that like mm. that yeah. New Belgian. Uh, what's it called? Fifteen fifty eight or whatever. Right, right. That tastes like musty on the aftertaste, yeah. like a basement. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that, I think that's made. That is like. Those Belgian breweries, a lot of those old Belgian breweries yeah. over there, 
they don't clean inside right. the brewery yeah. because the specific bacteria there is like where they get their taste in right. their, their fermentation. Yeah, yeah. So they like don't clean up or anything. They keep it. So it's, you know, I think maybe that, must, dirty. that mustiness, they're going for some authenticity, but it's not fun to drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is nice, though. This, this is like, nice. Yeah, this, this is, is like great. a fully furnished, like, wall to wall carpet basement. You know, there's a cushy couch in there. Oh man, they got they got an N64 Goldeneye. Yeah, you can wrestle in there, but you got to be careful. Keep it down. It is, it is concrete under the 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 carpet. Right, and those lamps aren't cheap. No, Junior. they're not. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be careful. No, no horseplay in there. And you, you, that last time you guys started playing around, you ran into Mom's old curio cabinet. Yeah. And there was hell to pay. I tell you pay. that. I tell you that. Your stepdad made you mow three lawns. <laughs> People you didn't even know. Dude, I'll tell you what. I've not had much time to watch about anything this week. Oh, yeah? This week I've watched Office Killer and uh, we watched Us last night, which if yeah, you guys didn't we catch did. that, we put up an Us mini-sode a yeah, couple of days ago. Check it out. There's a non-spoiler section and yeah. then a full-on spoiler section. Yes, indeed. So you guys check that out. It was, uh, it was, but you know. If you just don't want to listen to it, it's good. Yeah, go. Well, yeah, watch it. Yeah, us is good. It's <laughs> yeah, a good movie. What have you been watching this week, Steve? Anything well, good? Well, the very day that we watched us, yeah, <laughs> my wife and I went and saw Captain Marvel as well. You had it a twofer, was a, a two movie day, Woo, very two rare. for Thursday. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> remember a time I've done that before. It has been a really long time yeah. since I had myself a double movie day. We used to do those like a lot. Yeah. Back when I thought that we were busy, but we weren't busy at all. Yeah, you had time to go see two movies in a day. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, we used to do those like pretty frequently, and it was the best, man. Yeah. It's been too long since I've done that. It was fun. I mean, we Captain Marvel, I really enjoyed. Had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. Um, you had more expectations than me going into it. Yeah, you liked, yeah. like the comics I, shit, I actually, right? Yeah, I actually love Carol Danvers. I knew nothing about the um, Captain Marvel. I had seen a picture of the cat, and she does have a cat in the comics named okay. Chewy, which yeah. I assume they... Because it's, you know, obviously short for Chewbacca, but it has the double meaning of it's actually a, fl- a flurker. Yeah, yeah. Flurker, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say flurber or whatever flurker, it's called. yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's called. And, you know, eats tons of stuff. Uh, so that was like straight out of the comics. Everything, like all the characters were exactly as I expected them. The Kree-Scroll War was a little bit of a twist that I liked. Yeah. The movie uh, just kind of dumps you out in the middle of nowhere, doesn't oh it? Oh, man. You immediately yeah. start like alienated. You're just like, where are we? And yeah. how is this related to Marvel? I know. And then, like, also suddenly you're in, like, memory flashbacks that aren't full memories. Yeah, and, like, dude. Yeah, it really it starts off. It was disorienting. Disorienting. Yeah. yeah. Like, when it but got then, to that first, like, gunfight, I felt kind of, like, left behind where it's like, guys, people are getting shot and I don't know who's who. <laughs> yeah. Who is getting shot yeah. by why? What? Can pause what? this and back up a little bit? Right. But then it's like, it, it pretty well quickly gets you out of it. Then it drops you in yeah. Blockbuster Video and makes you feel like you're right back at home. Hell yes. I, dude, <laughs> I was so happy to see that this was a 90s yeah. story, you know? Yeah. And I hope that it inspires them to do, like, no, there just are. to fuck around with the timeline. I mean, they, yeah. I guess they have in the 50s and right, yeah, uh, there, 40s there with are, Captain America. There are, like, a lot of segments where they could throw in stories, for sure. Yeah, dude. That would be interesting. Like, I would love to see stuff that's set in the fucking 80s. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I like that, that they set this in a different time period, uh-huh. for sure. Me too. What'd you think about uh, Brie Larson? I thought she was great. That's her name, right? Yeah. Okay. Brie Larson. I thought she was great as Carol Danvers because Carol Danvers has some quips and stuff. She's also very serious. Yeah. She's a military person. I mm-hmm. mean, like that, you know, uh, there's that drive. 
uh, Captain Marvel in, in a lot of ways is like overpowered Captain America and it, even it's Civil Marvel did Civil War 2 mm-hmm. and basically Carol Danvers was at the center of it just like Captain America was at the center of the original Civil War cool but like yeah she's like just this super overpowered Captain America where she she is consistently dealing with issues of you know service to the country and also her own personal beliefs and things like that and the fact that she has alien powers like <laughs> that's, that's a, a pretty big deal yeah yeah you know it took me a while after watching the movie but there was something different about her character that i couldn't quite put my finger on where typically whenever you you know like whenever you see like a a wonder woman or something like that right it's almost it's almost distracting how ridiculously gorgeous she is. Right. And I was noticing as I was watching this movie, I was like, what is different about this? Because obviously Brie is a very, very gorgeous right. woman too. And it finally, it finally clicked. It's because her legs aren't bare. Right. She's wearing actual clothes. Pants. Yeah. yeah like, like when you see these like costumes that they put women superheroes in yeah. and stuff, it's like, yeah, you're going to go fucking battle in like a bikini. Are right. you an idiot? <laughs> yeah. But in this movie, it's like what she's wearing is like she's a, fucking a warrior combat suit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just kind of took a long time for me to hit me where I was like, why isn't yeah. she as like sexy as some of the other ones? And it's yeah. like, oh, it's because she's actually wearing right. the right costume. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, dumb, man. You know, they, it's awesome. Yeah. They, 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 they did a great job, uh, not only having a, you know, good, strong female character Definitely. and having other female characters associated with her, uh, Monica Rambo, who's the, the daughter of Maria Rambo. Right. She she is Captain Marvel for a period okay, at, yeah. at a certain point, cool. and even ended up like as the head of the Avengers for a little bit. Uh, now I can't remember what her name is now. I think oh Spectrum is her name now. Okay, uh, but she she has some similar powers, etc. That's cool. They introduced her as a kid in the nineties because that means right. if they want to bring her in now, she'd exactly. Be an adult. Yeah, because yeah. like they're going to eventually have to move closer to what's going on now in the storylines with mm-hmm. the new Avengers and stuff because they're going to lose Robert Downey Jr. They're going to lose yeah, Chris they're, Hemsworth. They're going to lose these all these people. Are people are aging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't do that literally forever. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, they're setting up new generations and stuff. I like that. That's I'll cool. tell you what I couldn't tolerate about the movie. All that blatant man hate that oh, man. all of my incel friends said was in it. <laughs> the whole time I was there, I was like, can I even be proud to be a white man? <laughs> <laughs> What's the world coming to, right? It's so hard. It's hard for me. Because people look at me and think I'm racist. And I'm like, what? I'm not well, racist. You know, I'm not racist, but... I'm not racist, but... <laughs> and I'm not sexist, but... Yeah, but like women shouldn't be involved in all this. But movie. I should be on the screen all the time. Yeah, it should be just people that I think of as me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, did you pick up on any, like, you know, feminist Nazi man-hate stuff in the movie? No. Like, at all? Like, no, what the fuck are people women. talking about? That, I mean, that's the perfect... Uh, that's like the encapsulation of, of great feminism is just showing strong women. Yeah, exactly. You don't even have to say anything about it because that is enough. Yes, exactly Exposing right. Exposing the world to strong women makes people go, oh, right, I can be a strong woman. Well, and, le- and let's face it, too, to all the, like, you know, meathead guys in the theaters that are that are watching some of this stuff, it's like the way you're going to win them over isn't with showing a woman stomping a man's balls right. into the pavement. Exactly. It's just going to be, like you said, just more, well, here it is. Here's a woman who's a badass. Yep. Any questions? Okay, I didn't think so. Yep. Move, moving on. Let's do more of this. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, I, I, did, I did see one comment. Um, 
on Reddit that just blew my mind. Uh, the guy said, I couldn't identify with the main character. <laughs> I know it just blew my mind to think like he thinks when women watch white men always being yeah, the really, main character right. that they can identify, but I uh, it's hard for me. Well, also, I love that white I, man is normal and everything yeah. else isn't, right? This also implies that this guy is watching Iron Man and he's going, huh, billionaire genius in a metal suit? Just to- like me, Totally bro. me. Yeah. This, this is my story, bro. Hey, I paid for my ticket and her ticket, so <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty much a billionaire. I'm pretty wealthy, I guess, and uh, I passed the ACT, so yeah. I'm somewhat of a genius. <laughs> I passed the yeah. ACT, but you showed up and took it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, the use of the use of just a girl by no doubt during that fight scene. Yeah, that was, was awesome. I didn't like that. You did. I was like, oh come on, like I liked really. It. Yeah, Kate liked it. She was the, a big fan of that. The music was great, though. Of course. Oh yeah, know. the soundtrack was yeah. was was great, man. Yeah. Although I maintain, Hole or Nirvana, not both. I mean, make your choices. I, lo- I, make your choices. I really like Hole. I mean, the Nirvana song they used, Come As You Are, that was, I mean, that was a, a really good moment to use that, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the whole song wasn't until the end, right? I think so, right? Yeah, it was yeah. just like over the closing credits. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'll die on this hill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was enjoyable. Some great yeah. humor in there. Like, dude. Oh, yeah. Really I, funny stuff. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. Like, do you get what I mean now when, yeah. when I was telling you about like the side characters are worth watching the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you get to see Samuel L. Jackson, who's been playing Nick Fury as Nick Fury, which yeah. is a badass who never tells anybody anything. Yeah, exactly. And you get now to see his younger, just, softer days. Go- it's almost like he and, and Coulson, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, yeah. Coulson's in this movie. Of course he would be. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the 90s. Right. and not, Yeah. Um, but he and Coulson, like at the beginning, it's he reminded me of Men in Black. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like they're like the Men in Black. Yeah. of the era, and and at first I was like, oh, this is weird. Is is this gonna be like his Will Smith moment where he finds out these things sort of exist? Because he sort of says that. Yeah, yeah. But then we we see the Nick Fury. He's a spy. He does know more than he lets on. Yeah. from the beginning. But right. Yeah. It was really enjoyable to watch him have fun and play with a cat. And it was just fun to see him like young again. How yeah. cra- how crazy is the uh-huh. de aging stuff there? Yeah. How did they do it? Was that a young they, guy's they, body and they put his no, face on they, him? They 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 made him look like he did in one eight seven, which came out in nineteen ninety seven, which is when it set. So they dyed his hair. And- no, no, they they just took his like mannerisms and stuff from one eight seven and the way he looked, and then de-aged him to look basically like he did in one eight seven. So that is actually his body and stuff that we're seeing in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, it's him moving. But of course, they're you know basically like that's that's why if you compare him to one eight seven, his head is wider now. He's yeah, he's yeah. older, so he's gained weight and right, stuff. Right, yeah. But I just didn't know it's they still did, like, like uh, the the way that he he looks is is his younger self but no i don't i don't know if they did anything particular with his body but they don't show his body much now that i think about it i was just wondering if they did it like they did um uh winkle boss twins in <laughs> the facebook movie you know where they yeah. they the social network where they put right. one face on like another guy and stuff yeah. i didn't know if they did it that way it's crazy to see though because like it doesn't look like an effect it's so subtle that you're like oh my god if this is the stuff that like hollywood yeah. has access to like convince me they went back in time and got a 20 years younger Sam Jackson. Yeah. Holy shit. What else can they do? Wait, who played the Winklevoss twins? Was it 
I might be thinking of something else. No, no, you're right. That's what they did because it was just the one actor. It wasn't twins. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was some super handsome dude. Yeah. Anyway, I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't go I didn't look because like again, I just watched it yesterday and then we watched us and all that stuff. Uh because I didn't I didn't look at it at all. I didn't like read anything up on it ahead of time. Yeah. Because I didn't want anything to be spoiled, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, I um, love that it also brought back, uh, is it Jamon Hunsu? Jamon Hunsu is as Korath the Pursuer and, and Lee Pace is uh, Ronan the Accuser, yeah. Because yeah. like, they showed him on screen and I was like, wait. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, they would still be around during this time Yeah, period. exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, obviously some new characters you get introduced to. Uh, you have some expectations for them since you haven't seen them yeah. since then. Uh, but yeah, there's there were like some good deep like uh marvel space lore like okay, the galactic yeah. wars type of, of lore that you Nerd wouldn't expect stuff. you wouldn't expect to see in a mainstream movie that made over 800 million dollars opening weekend like yeah dude like you just wouldn't expect to see but of course we got that with guardians of the galaxy i i remember when guardians of the galaxy was coming out i was like i don't know how they're gonna do this yeah guardians was so weird and had so many different lineups and stuff well, it was like what are they gonna do that's with this? the thing is like i grew up as a marvel comics kid yeah. and like whenever that movie was coming out i was like we were the guardians of the galaxy <laughs> yeah like yeah. Kate, kate had been reading it was the a comics. more obscure one yeah. yeah and she was like super stoked and she's like we're yeah. gonna go see an opening night and i'm like really yeah and then it's like you said it turns out it's like one, it's in my top three like best yeah. Marvel movies. It's the shit, dude. They have, I mean, in the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two, they have one of the original lineup. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. And that that was the lineup I knew with Stallone the, and stuff. Yeah, with right. uh, with uh, uh, that original lineup was Yondu used to be a part of the okay, Guardians, yeah. but in in the I guess in the MCU that's not. Oh wait, no, because no, yeah, he did. They, they were there, friends. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going that weird, and then they went that weird with. Uh, uh, Ragnarok. Yeah. Like, I'm glad they can just go all the way now. Like, oh, yeah. Well, because that's the thing is, like, ultimately, even though to us as kids that grew up in the 80s and read these comics and all these stories about space aliens and all this kind of stuff, it's like, it's nerd shit to us. Yeah. Because we grew up when that stuff was considered to be nerdy and only geeks yeah. did it. Now it's just... They're cool stories. Yeah, it's just cool stories. Everybody you know, likes. it's yeah. the modern mythology, man. Comic I books wonder are the modern if we mythology. are gonna ever gonna have the uh, Spider-Man making a deal with Mephisto storyline. Oh yeah, yeah. The storyline isn't that how he brought Gwen back, but like I think he couldn't so. be apart. He couldn't like yeah. be in a relationship with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, there's so much good shit that they can that they can pull from, and that's oh, just yeah. from the eras that I know. You oh know? yeah, and we we came through one of the worst eras for comic book sure. stories. The, yeah. the '90s, like so many extreme characters. Oh my god, yes. It was all about how they looked and nothing about the story. Totally, all style, yeah. no substance. Yeah, yeah. Overall, like with Captain Marvel, to me, it's like, is it one of the best Marvel movies ever made? I don't think so. No, but it's it's. But I would it, say but if you like the Marvel universe, you should see it for yeah. sure. I mean, like even the worst Marvel movie. I mean, so what would you say good. it is? What maybe Thor two is not very good. Thor two is yeah, still it's a good. little boring, but yeah, it is still good. Iron Man two is not. 
Iron Man, Iron, Iron Man three Iron with Man the Mandarin three, is like, uh, yeah, I didn't love that though. It's got the Shane Black dialogue and it's fun. Yeah, I didn't like how they undercut the Mandarin completely and just made it. But it, like, even the worst Marvel movie is still like better than fucking Suicide Squad or something. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll even <laughs> say better than that third uh, Batman movie. Yes, the one that, Bane in it. Yeah, that one's Dark not good. Rises. Dark yeah, Rises. rises. Yeah. Like all of them are still better than that. So yeah. You know, if you're playing apples to oranges, there you go. That's a fun game. It is, isn't it? Yeah, apples so, to oranges. What's your what's your kind of assessment? Worth seeing? Yeah, worth seeing. Yeah, and, and not even I, I would say not even a middle of the road. I'd say a little bit above middle of the road. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think so too. Marvel movie. What else you been checking out this week? Anything else? Good? Um, sightseers. What that is? Uh, it's made by the Ben Wheatley, who did uh, Kill List. Ooh. Yeah. That movie's fucked up. I've been wanting to watch that again. real man. fucked up. It's a weird one, man. It's a good one. We should do it sometime. But, oh, dude, um, yeah. Why haven't we done it? I don't movie? know. <laughs> Sightseers is... Uh, it's also got horror elements, but it's more of a black, co- like dark comedy. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's it's basically like... Okay, it's in some ways like Henry Portrait of a Serial no, Killer. Okay, all right. But with a straight couple and there are more jokes. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> so it's a couple that kills some people. Yeah, it's and yeah. they're a bit jokey. Yeah, I don't want to say too much okay. about it because right. it it's, it really is like just the these two people who don't know much about each other yeah. learning more about each other, and as they learn more about each other, they discover they're both very fucked up people. Do you think I'd like it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Would you it's watch fun. it? Um, I think that's on Amazon Prime or Hulu. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's streaming. Yeah. Rad, man. It's good. I'll have to check that out, man. I'll have to check that out. Our, our listener, Kev Bickerdike, uh, suggested it to oh, me. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, check it Making out. Making our worlds better, you dead and lovelies. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Thanks. Hi. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Cut the music. We got ourselves a very special announcement from our very own Hollywood Steve, so you busters better tune in and listen up. Tell him, Steve. Hey, gang. Hollywood Steve here. We recently were contacted by a group called 60 Second Horror, which is a group of Charleston, South Carolina-based filmmakers and actors. Charleston represent. We're putting together a film challenge that asks filmmakers to submit a 60-second horror film. So why am I telling you about this? Hit him. Well, all profits go to the Charleston Animal Society, which is an animal protection organization and no-kill shelter in Charleston, South Carolina. Where my dog's at. So what 60 Second Horror is going to do is they're going to take all the profits made from submission fees and donations at the live screening. Yo, get them, Steve. And they're going to give them to the Charleston Animal Society. So they're going to have a live screening at Craft Conundrum in Charleston, South Carolina on June 22nd. That's five days before my birthday, motherfuckers. Where they're going to show the 10 best films in each of six different horror subgenres. Some of the celebrity judges this year include Mitchell Lichtenstein, writer and director of Teeth. Them chompers going to bite your dick off, boy. Edwin Neal, the Hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you like head cheese, motherfucker? And Betsy Baker, Linda from The Evil Dead. Uh. Films can be submitted at filmfreeway.com under 60 Second Horror Challenge. You can also check out 60 Second Horror on Facebook and Instagram, as well as on their website at 60secondhorror.com. Oh yeah, you tell them, Hollywood Steve. And you busters, be sure to check out 60 Second Horror and help support a great cause. Now let's slide right back into that old preview palace. Game over, motherfuckers. Fuckers. 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 Now, Steve. What, what, what? As we step 
on into the preview palace before we get to our movie review here. Welcome to the preview palace. I have a little subject that I would like to explore here that I just think seems relevant considering the subject and nature of this movie, which is a brief list of my top three chair lifts I've seen in horror movies. Okay. Coming in at number three, we're going to have uh, the chairlift and office killer. Okay. I was really impressed by the chairlift right. work in this movie. Very smooth. Smooth, smooth. Uh, looked like a fun ride. Not jarring. Seemed to take no. care of Ma pretty well. Some good yep. chairlift work in this. What's number two? Number two is going to go to Gremlins, of course. Yeah. You know, Gremlins. Gormlarms. Yeah, Gormlarms. Also some quality. There's some chairlift humor in that movie. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's a small demographic they're playing to. <laughs> but people that love chairlift humor love Gremlins for uh-huh. that reason. Number one. And coming in at number one is going to be Donald Pleasance's chairlift from Phenomena. Yep. Because it looked like a cheap and practical piece of shit. It did. Yeah. <laughs> so there's my list of top three chairlifts. All right. You know, I think another thing that we should do here is considering this movie was made by Cindy Sherman. That's the one. Who is a renowned artiste. I've a, heard of her. A photographer of sorts. Photographer. Uh, and a true artist. I think a fun idea for us to do before we get on into the movie review is if we spend just a little time here, I want to talk about my top five and your top five favorite artists because, you know, I grew up doing arts. Yeah. Before I started playing the musica and making the pizza. Uh, yeah. You make- I do it the painting. I do the your painting. Pizza, your pizza making lessons yeah. are really where you make your bread and butter. <laughs> That's where I butter yeah. crust generously. <laughs> butter crust generously. <laughs> butter crust generously. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, whenever I, I started my days as a ute, I was always drawing and then got into painting and stuff like that. So art has always been a very important part of my life. I have a... I have a college, a community college degree in art. Which I do means too. Basically, nothing for me. I got a community college degree in art history because yeah. I didn't want to waste time making art. Well, and indeed, art is what brought us together, hanging That's out in the, in the painting room yeah. of Walter State Community yeah, College. Yeah, we just posted a picture from yeah. way back in the day that Holly Ford took and we developed were, herself. We were just kinder kids. Yeah. Just a bunch of hunks. Yeah, we really were. Not a care in the world or a sock on Looking our Looking back, I was like, man, who's this thick gentleman? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was, because I, I used to... Old li- man, look at me now. <laughs> I used to lift weights a lot more back then. I um, had a weight training class in college that got pretty good to me. Yeah? Yeah. I should probably do that again. I should yeah. probably just move my body more, I think. I feel like that wouldn't be a negative. I think as we record, we should just flagellate our arms like this. We should this. start recording on treadmill mills. Oh, that's a good yeah. idea. By the end of the episode, we're like drinking beer on treadmills. We're like, <sighs> oh, it's good. We got to go. I'm done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Every so, episode's five minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> so considering art has been a big part of both of our lives, I think we should let these busters know about five artists each who have impacted our lives, our top five favorites. You want me to kick this thing off? Yeah, go ahead and kick, kick it. it. I'm going to go with one of my first art heroes, and indeed more than just an artistic hero, because he is a true Renaissance man. He Renaissance? He's, he's, yeah, he's, he Renaissance the songs. <laughs> he's a guy who inspired me to think with my entire brain and not see limitations about I only do this, I don't do this. 
a guy who did just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a whole lot of everything. I'm talking about a Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, da Vinci. One of my all-time favorite human Inventor beings. Inventor of the aerial screw. Uh, and the fireman's ladder. That's true. Invented the extendable ladder. Also did quite the painting. Also an architect. Also a sculptor. Yeah. Also probably homosexual. He, that's true. And he could write with both hands. Yeah. Simultaneously. Once. Yeah. A real crazy. freak. Definitely somebody that would be recognized as being very on the spectrum these days. Yeah. An, an odd bird with unbelievable focus. And fascination in in everything. Da Vinci's journals and stuff are, yeah. uh, to me, one of the most important like sacred texts I've ever in- encountered in my life. It's just unbelievably fascinating to study those things because it's like he was just interested in everything. Yeah, and truly somebody that used his entire brain. So yeah, I would say Da Vinci has been a gigantic a gigantic influence on me. Again, actually less as an artist and just more of as a person. Okay. Yeah, I I really do appreciate that about Da Vinci. I yeah. think uh, uh, polymaths in general, mm-hmm. people who can can excel in several areas, yeah. especially when they can do it uh, among the arts and sciences, where they're able to just access all their brain, always very interesting to me. I think so. Yep. Uh, man, first person I think of when I think of my favorite artist is uh, De Goya, Francisco De Goya. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spaniard. Yeah, I love his style. Me too. I love his use of, of uh, light, and I love specifically um, his subject matter. Yeah. A lot dude. of stuff on witches and Satan. Like, uh-huh. A lot, a lot of, of dark stuff. Dark stuff. He's also, he did the one of, uh, is it Jupiter eating his children? Yes. That's just like hyper disturbing. Yeah. You see used a lot in like horror stuff. Uh-huh, you do. It's this zombie looking guy like He's biting the head off of a directly ahead. That, that photo is, is terrifying. Yeah. It's utterly terrifying. And it's cool too, like with the Goya stuff, if you look at his early works versus his later works, uh-huh. there's, I, I've read some theories and stuff like this that like, well, you know, the, the paints and stuff they used back then had lead and all kinds of right. crazy shit in them. And basically, he kind of started losing his shit towards the end of his right. life. And well, his, his work became way more, like, disorganized and abstract and yeah. weird. Well, and a lot, a lot of his work that he did in his later years, he just did on his walls. No shit. They had shit. to come in and cut pieces of his wall off. as like, this is now a priceless piece of <laughs> art. Yeah. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah. That's really awesome stuff, man. And didn't he do the one... I think on our witch episode, you talked about mm-hmm. a Degoya piece with a yeah. goat and stuff, yeah. right? That's a, yeah. That he did a few with the goat and with witches, but yeah, yeah. specifically the witches' Sabbath is yeah. one that I love. Yeah, yeah, his stuff is awesome. That's a rad choice, man. Yeah. I like that a lot. What okay. you got next? Next for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna just lay out a Hello Dolly. Talk about a Salvador like Dolly. Salvador Dolly. Salvador Dolly was the first artist I read a biography on. What and a what a weird wild life that he cat had. did have a crazy life. Yeah. yeah, he didn't do drugs. He was drugs. He, he yeah, drugs did him. I love a lot of surrealist and Dadaist um, artwork. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of that stuff. In college, I really got into all those cats. And of course, you know when people think Salvador Dali, they think of melting clocks and stuff like that. But yeah. so much of his work, especially his later work, like uh, I think there's one called like is it tuna fishing or tuna hunting. And then, like, Columbus discovering the New World. Like, right. All of these later era paintings are just unreal. And I'll tell you, when you see them in person... Right, at the Dolly Museum down there in Tampa. Good God. I've never been there. Yeah. I've just seen some of his works, like, at the High Museum in Atlanta and stuff yeah. like that. They had the one that's... 
up close, like if you're three feet from it, it just looks like a bunch of like orange circles. Right. But then you get a few feet away from it and it's the Madonna and the child. And right. then you back up more and it's a fucking ear. Yeah. It's one of those things that like when you see it in photographs, yeah. it does not do the same thing. A lot thing. of his later work was more of the, he was fo- focused on trying to play with perception. Yeah. And, and what it's like to could, look at. Yeah. There were, there were definitely like some stuff he did where depending what angle you're at yeah it it looked different and stuff yeah Yeah, exactly and that's the kind of thing where to me it's just like to be able to it's hard enough just to paint a really great realistic painting of the madonna and the child yeah that's hard enough yeah i mean that's why it's such a a common uh topic for painting and and sculpting yeah yeah is uh, the old classics the idea of two bodies one one with rigidity in life and yeah. the other completely dead and 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 limp like right. you're yeah. practicing all of your skills in body drawing or body sculpting right and then it's like it's hard enough to be like okay i can do that now how can i also make it look like an ear <laughs> like how does your mind have to work to be able to understand that well lobster telephone is how <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. lobster phone the moment that you're at lobster phone and you're like yeah <laughs> you're on it. dolly's level <laughs> <laughs> i I love his stuff, man, very much, and uh, the dreamlike, strange quality, and also just the technical virtuosity mm. of it all. Yeah. Like, I could paint his damn dick off. Yeah. I love that guy's work very much. Yeah. The the cuboidal crucifixion, yes. the one where, like, yeah. Christ is, like, out ahead of the, the cross, that one's really cool. Yeah. And then there's that other one where it's, like, looking down on the cross. Yeah. That's very strange. Yeah. yeah. The one you're talking about is where the cross is, like, a fucking tesseract. Yeah. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome, man. That's cool. Love that stuff. Next for you. Um, this is one that, uh, honestly, you just have to see his work to get why I like him so much. But uh, Mark Rothko. Mark Rothko. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can see the pictures. He's a love it or hate it guy. Yeah. You can see the pictures of it and be like, it's just colors and squares. Yeah. But you see it live and you're like oh my gosh like you can see yeah. the texture and you can see the depth of the paint and stuff like he's a for those of you guys who don't know he's a color field artist right, i think he's yeah. kind of the guy that started that game yeah i think he was one of the early ones for sure yeah. uh but yeah like he yeah color field work and stuff like um i mean i'm gonna, I'm gonna name another one in a little bit yeah and another one after that nice uh, I I like I love obviously representations of, of reality and stuff like that, but uh, just as I said, I, I love Degoya. Like Degoya, he, he had his own style. Like nothing was reality. Yeah. in his later wasn't work. photorealistic or yeah, at all. not even close. I'm not a huge fan of photoreal. I do. I mean, I obviously appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. you know, Chuck Close type of photorealism oh, yeah. where Unreal. it's just like. How? Just on How an entirely technical level, it's yeah. very impressive. Very. I know what impressive, you mean, but it's not. It's not my style. Yeah. It's not the thing I'm interested in. Yeah, photorealism is interesting to me because, from one perspective, you look at it and you're just like, "My God, you did that with a pencil, right?" And it looks like a fucking photo. Right. That's insane. But then at the same time, you're just kind of like, you know, photos. Exist. Your photos exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can do that with a, a photo. Right. It's kind of like I hear all these guitar players that are messing around with all these like crazy sounds, make it sound like a, a synthesizer, yeah. just everything but a guitar. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what the guitar does best is sound like a guitar. Yeah. You could just play a keyboard 
it'd be yeah. a lot easier. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, like photorealism is about the process more yeah. than the product. Yeah, definitely yeah. so. Definitely so. Unless you're just looking at, at a technical level, if you're right. like a technique freak, I guess. Yeah. You know, with Rothko's stuff and with, with color field work, I'll tell you, like whenever I came across that stuff for the first time and your first instinct is to look at it and go, okay, this is two colors on a piece of canvas. And you go, well, I could have done that. Right. And that's when you get to a really important principle right. in art and just movies and in anything that really helps me reevaluate worth of things. When you see something for the first time and you look at it and you go, well, I could have done that. Just remember, you could have done it, but you didn't. Right. He did you it. can do it now because you've seen it. Because you've seen it. Yes. yes. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, man. And yes, anybody could make a convincing looking Rothko painting. You don't oh, yeah, have to have point, painting chops to do it. Yeah. It's it's very uh, simple. Yeah, you could do Jackson Pollock all day. Anybody oh, yeah. That. 100%. Yeah. I, but, I, I'm, uh, by the way, I'm cutting one of my color field paint. I realize I have three. Okay. I'm cutting one and replacing somebody else. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but you know, the thing that struck me about color field stuff is... I didn't appreciate it. Like I said, I saw it in, in photos and art books, and I was like, oh, that's dumb. I could have done that. Yes. But then I'll tell you what the difference was, is the first time I was at a museum, and when you stand in front of one of these things, uh-huh. and you have to stand close enough to it that it is literally your entire field of vision. Right. You're not seeing the carpet. You're not seeing the ceiling. Right. You're not seeing the edges you're of the frame. just seeing the piece. You're just seeing just these colors, yeah. and it's literally all that your eyesight contains. Yeah. It's completely different. It's completely it really different. Is. It's like almost overwhelming. It is. Where it's like my whole reality right now is just this intense and green or whatever you chose to put on the canvas, you know? The thing is, like when you think of it, because, I mean, both of us have painted. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible. I'm not even interested in pretending I'm good at it. But uh, you learn a lot just from standing at an easel and trying to paint. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you and ever. One of the things you learn is that color consistency is not it's hard. automatic. Yeah. It's real tough. Yeah, it is. And so when you go, like, uh, I think... Uh, Hell, if you've ever fucking done house painting and painted a wall. Exactly, yeah. Intense color, exactly. You find that shit out fast. Um, so... I think we were at the uh, we were at the High Museum in Atlanta. We took yeah. an art club trip. Oh yeah, trip, yeah, yeah. And there were we ate at a Red Lobster on the way home. We did. See, there's my weird dinner memory thing. <laughs> like, why do I remember that? I don't remember the artist, but one of the the paintings was three easels, and it was it was uh, red, blue, and green, mm-hmm. and they were yep. huge. They were, yep. And it was one consistent red, blue, and green. Yeah. The, to be able to do that without any like appearance of brush strokes yeah. and stuff like that. It's near inhuman. That's it's you, insane. Yeah. I recommend yeah. you try it if you think it's yeah. very simple. Yeah, it's so really honestly, not. yeah, if you look at a color field painting and think that's easy, try to do it. Yeah, try See it if you can do it. In fact, if you do it, Maybe you can make some money off of it. I was going to say, yeah, it's so easy. Fucking go sell this these is, things for thousands mean, of dollars, So dude. many novelists started that way, by the way. So many novelists read books and were like, I could do this, and yeah. then did it. Yeah, and then they fucking did it. So right. when you look at a piece of art and you think, I could do this, I'm not even I'm not even trying to say, like, no, you couldn't. I'm saying, oh, maybe you could. Try do it. it. Yeah, exactly. We, well, you know, we need more art in the world. Exactly. Well, it goes back to don't, don't curse the darkness, light a candle, as Kevin yeah. Smith says. That's it, man. If you think you can yep. do it, do it. Who you got? Okay, next on my list is going to be somebody that might seem like a... Actually, I got a couple of these on here. Might seem like a small potato, but I'm putting him on here because he is legitimately uh. one of my favorite artists and made a big impact on me as a young person when I was back in my super artsy days. I'm talking about one of my favorite comic book artists, Chris Bocciolo. 
Oh, I didn't think about comic book artists. Right? Oh, okay. Well, the thing is, is like, whenever I was a kid, like, all I did was draw superheroes yeah, and like, I, video game characters and stuff. Yeah, well, and we were at that period where comic book artistry was, yeah. like, becoming a thing where you started noting Jim Lee's name and... Right. Rob Liefeld, yeah. like a rock star. Yeah, they, yeah. And they weren't... I mean, not, not to say that those old 70s and 80s uh, comics didn't have a great style to them. Yeah. And people do love those, but, like, the 90s, they were... They were more stylized. Yeah. Like, well, yeah also, due like, to, to printing techniques, they were able to do more interesting things with color. I mean, back yes. in the day, they had, like, what, 12-color yeah, dot yeah. matrix printing? It's like yeah. they couldn't, couldn't really do much with it. Yeah, so you had guys like, yeah, Jim Lee, who's his crisp pen lines yeah. and stuff. Or de- like, the, you know Jim Lee the moment you see oh, Jim yeah. Lee. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible stuff. So, and, and who is this? I, Chris Bocciolo. So, oh, uh, right. Okay, I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, see, I got to know his stuff through his run that he did on Generation X. Yes. Which was a Marvel comic in... I would say 95, 96, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's when it first came out. I so think. I was yeah. kind of in those like you know early teen or preteen kind of years, and it's the story about these teenage mutants and stuff. And not ninjas, though. No, nor and turtles. Nor, nor are they turtles. Nor yeah. turtles. Not a turtle amongst them. <laughs> and that series was so cool because it had all the X Men elements of like superpowers and stuff, but then yeah. it also had all these just like teenage things in there that like I could really relate to as a young dude. Yeah. And it was all brought to me by Chris Bocciolo's style, which mm-hmm. is kind of like if if Alphonse Mucha was born in like the 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 eighties and became an artist in the nineties. Uh-huh. Okay. That's kind of what it looked like. It has so, somewhat of an art deco kind of look about okay. it. I could have put Mucha on this list too. I love Mucha's work. Yeah. Mucha, Mucha, he's Mucha. Probably Mucha. You know, the one with yeah. all the ladies yeah. and say like May or whatever on top. Yeah. yeah. So Chris Bocciolo's stuff kind of sort of looks a bit like that, only a little bit more nineties. It's oh, like okay. a touch of a touch of Daria or something in there. Right. And yeah, I just I love his work and it was a big influence on me. And it was very different from the other kind of artists that I really liked at the time. I mean, I loved Jim Lee. I loved John Romita Jr. Yeah. and John Romita Sr. for that matter. Right. A couple of the Spider-Man artists, Mark Bagley. I loved right. his yeah, Mark art. Bagley stuff was great. To me, like when I think of Spider-Man, I think of Mark Bagley's yeah. Spider-Man. That's the guy that I think of. And uh, Jim Lee's Spider-Man stuff is also yeah. fucking awesome. Anything Jim Lee did yeah, is amazing. Jim Lee's stuff. Uh, and was, Jay Lee as well. Oh, Shit. see, Jay Lee, I was going to mention Jay Lee particularly because especially his early stuff where it was almost like he was doing the opposite of Jim Lee where he was he was trying to be less crisp and yeah. more like blurry and a yeah. lot more. Bubbly kind of. Yeah. yeah. Which also like led to... Uh, like sort of flash in the pan comic book artist Stephen Platt. Oh yeah, do you Platt. remember him? Like, I do. He yeah. was real big for a quick moment. He, he was. Did that, he did like the last three Moon Knight from the first series. Moon Knight always had some sick art now. Yeah, yeah. And then he did Profit. Profit. Uh, that's right. And yeah, and his stuff was just like there were no clean edges. There yeah. were no like crisp straight lines or anything. It was all all over the place and had, like manic feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Chris, too, like, Chris always did all kinds of neat stuff, like, just hide little things, like, all over his pages. You know, yeah. like, he had a big thing. Actually, it's funny. You were talking about turtles. He had a, a thing for, like, hiding turtles in the frame. Huh. And, like, putting ladybugs on stuff. Okay. Just these little things that just made you go, oh, that's that's a Chris thing. So, loved his art. Made a big impact on me. I'll always love those comics and stuff, too. That's He's great. gone on to do a bunch of other stuff, but those are the ones that I remember. He did, I think, probably the first, like, I want to say 25 or 40 issues, something like that. He had a pretty big run. Mm. And I think he did... I can't remember the other stuff he did. He also did the Age of Apocalypse Generation Next stuff. Yeah, that, it, which looked great. That's the That guy. was yeah. like... Uh, 
I mean, all of the the different titles for yeah. the Age of Apocalypse storyline had a very specific look, but the Generation Next was like loved the it. best, the best. Dude. Yeah, loved it, man. Okay, so next on your list. Um. Okay. So I'll break up the color fields, <laughs> bust them up. Yeah, and I'll say Joel Peter Whitkin. Oh shit! Yeah. The Insidious. Joel Peter He's Whitkin. a nasty man. He is. He is. Joel Peter Whitkin, if you don't know about him, uh, don't uh, maybe not careful. Google image that. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 Google image search Joel Peter Whitkin at work. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. A lot of his work was uh, with corpses, actual corpses, actual real life corpses. He would he would get corpses off like the streets in Mexico. In Mexico, yeah, and then like do stuff with the bodies. Yeah. Um, it's real weird stuff. Yeah. He's got a real weird, obviously strange vision. But man, they look great. It's it's insane. There's some great photos. He also did a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, uh, amputees and uh, mm-hmm. just different, different looks of the body. And right. I, I guess his real obsession is bodies and like what, like what do they mean like what like are they us like how much how much of us is in the body like how much do we how much should we care when we're dead what happens to us like as really as far as the the corpse thing goes it's like to to all of us you know normal people we look at that and we're like that's hyper morbid and disturbing but honestly it's like to him as a photographer it just might have been that like well there's nothing you can't do with a corpse as far as posing it or like if i just want a head cool i'll just take the head off this movie made me think a good bit about him i can see that yeah because there's there's a good bit of that like yeah um i mean but that's also cindy sherman she she also has done and i know she's very aware of him for sure right i think one of the most when when you said his name that the piece that just pops into mind immediately is that there's there's two severed heads right on a doily Uh yeah with their lips sewn together yeah it's called the kiss and they're real they're real heads it's sewn together. Not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> uh, he's got some very strange stuff, but like that's I, I like how transgressive and weird he is. Like when I think of, I, I wanted to have a photographer on here, and I think of favorite photographers are the people that do the weirder stuff. Yeah. Um, but I like Ann Gettys a lot. Yeah, she's yeah. putting them babies and then cabbage patches and shit. yeah, yeah. Big fan of her work. She's I mean, real good. But like, yeah, I, I think of. I think of the the people that do the weirdest stuff is the most interesting because I think when you get into photography, you either need to be capturing the harshness of reality, yeah. which we see from like Real war moments. journalism and and stuff like that, right? Or you need to be coming up with something different, but like yeah, capturing reality in yeah. a way that people have never seen, right. right? So like so much of photography for me, it's like. Yeah, the subject's nice and the, the the framing is great or whatever, but I don't care. I could have looked at that with my own eye. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but I, I ain't never seen no corpses with the lips yeah, on you're together. You're not going to be seeing any Joel Peter Wicked stuff except in nightmares. Yeah. 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 If you're lucky, you'll yeah. never see anything right. like it. You know? <laughs> that's a good choice, man. That's a good choice. Somebody like Robert Maplethorpe would also go Right. On yeah. That, that's that a, Well, yeah. Maplethorpe. Especially when you're talking about his use of contrast and black and white, because he did yeah. almost exclusively black and I white. I think so. Yeah, a lot of illicitly sexual oh, yeah. stuff. Just <laughs> that, that picture of just a big erect dick. Yeah, like, they, like didn't they they 
they uh, projected that on the side of like the Capitol building or Holy something, shit, right? Really? <laughs> yeah, they projected a bunch of his work on the side of one wow. of the buildings in DC. It was a big, <laughs> it was a big scandal. Cindy Sherman was caught up in too. Oh, no the national funding of the arts was going to like Robert Maplethorpe got funding mm-hmm. to take pictures of <laughs> just dicks. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so there was a big scandal. So and what she we're was, saying she is follow your dreams, y'all. Yeah, do follow it. Follow your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good inclusion to the list, Steve. Who you got next? Next on my list is an artist that I, I just got into a couple of years ago named Gerhard Richter. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen his stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, his stuff is, is really interesting because you know, again, kind of going back to the Da Vinci thing, he's not really sticking to one thing over and over and over. There's a documentary about him right. that you can watch that shows him uh, painting and a lot of his techniques What's and stuff. What's it called, Dina? I do not remember okay. what it's called. But if you Google Gerard Richter documentary, guess what? You'll find it. You know, it's like, <laughs> you have to work that hard right. to find it. But what a lot of people know him for is his use of... Um, scraping techniques in his in his paintings and doing lots. oh yeah yeah, yeah. He uses big squeegees big, and yeah stuff. just big black scraping yeah across the, yes and he'll do it by layering all kinds of different layers of paint on top of each other yeah. and selectively scraping certain parts away and it's, it's purely my, abstract one know? of my teachers at Walter State was way into him I remember he showed us a bunch of like yeah. prints that he had personally made wow because like he was super into him and yeah, his stuff it's his beautiful. stuff is only got recently gotten yeah. more popular yeah he's yeah. been around a while though yeah i'll even say that those things had a huge impact on me because for any guitar nerd that are listening to this you might have seen that guitar that's hanging on the wall right there right. The, the kind of bluish and purple one uh-huh. that's hanging up yeah i was inspired to that that's a technique that that i've just called scrape painting that, right. I, that I made up after Kate went to Chicago and saw an exhibit of Richter's work and came back with all kinds of photographs, yeah. I, did, I, I was going to swirl paint that guitar. And I saw these photos of his work, and I was like, man, that would look bitching on a guitar. Yes. So I just tried the technique uh-huh. out. And, of course, I'm not doing it nearly as good as he does. But that's something that has directly impacted me in terms of, like, I learned a painting technique that I've used on guitars that people kind of identify with me. But it's like, it's a Gerhard Richter thing. I tell everybody that, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, so that's that, pretty cool. that is all. I mean, they're... Everybody, Everybody is building off of yeah. something else. Yeah. Even the most outlandish, the newest developments, they're building off of something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Nothing comes from, from nothing. Right. But the other side of his work, too, is he does also photorealistic stuff, which we were really? talking about just a second ago. It's interesting. But man. here's the thing about it that's odd. He doesn't do photorealistic as in he's doing a pencil drawing that looks exactly like a black and white photograph of right. a person. He does photorealistic in that he paints in photographic distortions into his work. Like oh. things that are out of focus. Okay. He captures it in paint so well that it's it's unbelievable. That's crazy. Like whenever you see like a Polaroid photograph, right. like he can paint exactly like that. So like it's strange. Photorealism with a focus on the photo part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, focus on the process of a photo. Yes. Like yeah. Like being able to duplicate the process of a photo. Yeah. Through a different medium. Drawing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not photorealism as in this. That's how my eye looks at it. Yeah. It's that's how a camera looks at it. Right. It's really that's crazy. Cool. Yeah. And it's just interesting too to see somebody who can be so incredible at abstract stuff, and then also so fucking good at that too. It's bizarre. Like, yeah. that guy's brain is working on a whole different level than the rest oh, of us. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. Love Gerhard Richter's stuff. Be sure to check some of that out. I wanted to do something that uh, was a little different. I, I'm not big on sculpture. Okay. 
Uh, so I picked a performance artist. Oh, wow. Marina Abramovich. I don't know who that is. Okay, well, you should watch the documentary, The that's Artist. The, that's the Scarlet Witch, isn't it? That's the Scarlet Witch. That's her. Uh-huh, Marina Abramovich. Uh-huh. I loved her in Avengers, too. She's so good, yeah. Okay, um, performance artist. Uh, she There's a documentary called The Artist is Present that... I've heard of that. ...document some of her uh, work and document specifically her uh, her work on display. She... Hmm. she Put herself in a chair with a chair opposite oh, her. Oh, I know this person. Yes. People would just sit down and do whatever they wanted. They could stare. Yeah. They could talk. They could do whatever. Uh, man, very affecting. A lot of her other stuff is much more conceptual. That was just really about the the artist being eye to eye with the, the viewer. consumer, the yeah. viewer. It's like you are... Yeah. The, the piece at that Yeah, point. but yeah. she has other stuff that's just real interesting. One is uh, a, a man and a woman, and the man is holding the string of a bow with an arrow, okay. and the, the woman is holding the bow itself. Okay. So the arrow's pointed at her. Oh. Uh, and it's like this, the, this situation of like uh, the male-female dynamic where, in so many cases, man is physically larger. He has the ability at yeah. any moment to cause the female harm. Yeah. And it's a trust exercise that he doesn't. Like it, 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 it It's saying a lot about male-female relations and yeah. the problem of uh, masculinity and patriarchy and hmm. things like that. But, like, uh, at the same time, it's, it's two actual people in physical yeah. space, dude. It's not like... It's not uh, a drawing of it or something. Yeah, like it's it's a real thing. Is she also happening. the one that did the thing where she just like stood in a room naked and let people do whatever they want yes, to do? Yes, and it got it a got really hand. bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a bold ass move. But it is a like, bold ass move. Some people were like hugging her. Yeah. And then some people were like cutting her with a knife. Yep. And like spitting on her. Mm-hmm. And, that that's just like the the true ugliness of humanity on display. It is. Well, and that's yeah, that's what uh, I think she talks about how that certainly inspired a lot of the wow. artist is present where you know, there there's instead of it being in sort of a black box theater, it being set in a museum, the fact that it's set in a museum makes people act differently. Yeah, they yeah. They treat it differently. Treat it more like Art. A piece of art right. that they're observing. Yeah, but you're yeah. a real life human. Yeah, that's pretty interesting stuff, yep. man. That's pretty cool. Yep. That's a that's She's a good cool. addition to the list. Yeah, I, I went all visual on mine. Yeah, whatever. Dang it. Last on my list, Steve. What you got? So the last one on here is another comic booksman. Oh yeah. That I would say was one of the biggest influences on me in terms of like how I was I was trying to draw uh, comic book characters and stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. Because uh, I love his work so much, especially when he came into the 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 run of the Uncanny X Men and later the Astonishing X Men, and all kinds of other stuff. I'm talking about Joe Matarara. Oh, okay. Joe Matarara is the guy that really, in in my opinion, brought anime and manga to the United yeah. States. That uh, guy's stuff. Whenever I saw it, it for sure. For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah, for sure. Because like basically, whenever I saw his stuff. Again, in those early X-Men comics and stuff, it's like it was unlike anything I had ever seen. Because, you know, growing up in fucking Tennessee, it's like, and not having the internet, I never knew what manga or anime was. I I saw like maybe like Dragon Ball on TV or something like that every now and then or Sailor Moon. Used to play it on the... uh 
the Cartoon Network. Yeah. 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 But it's like that's that's about it. Yeah. And that's a far cry from stuff like Ninja Scroll and yeah. um, uh, Ghost in the Shell and stuff like right. that. So whenever Joe's stuff started popping up over here, I was instantly I think like a lot of other people, I was like, What the fuck is this? Like the way the 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 men looked super angular and jagged. Right. And the women were like super beautiful. He he drew women beautifully and yeah. stuff. And especially the way he did hands and eyes and everything right. was just amazing. I was completely fascinated by hair. His hair stuff looks great, yeah. too. And in interviews, people would ask him. It's like, because, again, nobody knew what he was doing. They were like, where are you getting this style from? And he's like, oh, I just like Ninja Scroll and mm-hmm. Appleseed and yeah. all these like mangas and stuff. And I was, was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. That was back when you could truly be a hipster. Yeah. Like, I'm into stuff people, nobody's heard of. Yeah, because other people <laughs> really hadn't heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Even if they wanted to, couldn't get a hold of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because yeah. even if I... Even knowing the 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 term, you know, Ninja Scroll, I yeah. couldn't go to the comic shop and get that. Yeah, they didn't have it. Yeah, or they'd be like, we can order it from Japan. It'll be $80. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, my allowance isn't going to allow for that, dude. <laughs> yeah, so I saw that guy's stuff, and again, he did the Astonishing X-Men run in the Age of Apocalypse stuff, which, as I've said many times, is my fucking favorite shit ever, and really endeared me to him with those works right there. And he did a, a bunch of other comics, too. Tons of stuff in his own series, Battle Chasers. Uh-huh. And he's even done some like work with video game stuff too, which is really neat. Mm. Big influence on me as an artist and, and exposed me. Yeah, I, I'm not like again like a big anime and like um, and I'm and you can tell because I'm saying manga and not manga, <laughs> so you know I'm not that much of a nerd and super into it. But it did expose me to a lot of new things that I wouldn't have encountered otherwise. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, good stuff. I didn't think of uh, more modern artists. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. Like there's a lot of really great stuff being made. Like mm-hmm. um you know Gallery 1984 is a gallery in LA that specializes okay. in like pop culture uh art. Okay. I I'd, I'd check them out. Just check out their website and look at some of the stuff they have. They they'll do like stuff where they they'll have like a theme where everybody all their regular artists will make something like Mario themed or Okay, whatever. cool. Yeah kind of pop art based stuff yeah cool stuff my last one is barnett newman i don't know who that is either okay barnett newman is a color field like basically large canvases of of singular colors with mm-hmm. maybe a few singular colored lines going straight down or, or whatever okay. like it's real interesting to me because I saw his stuff in in uh books and again it just didn't have the same effect as when I saw in DC at the what is the art museum there? The art museum, the in Smithsonian, DC. yeah, yeah, sure. I don't remember which one. They it got was. the Museum of Modern Art. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was at MoMA. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so Barnett Newman, and I'll I'll just look something up to, yeah, to show you an idea. But he he did this entire sort of stages of the cross series series yeah. and. Like just just look at it. Like, it, there's not much to it. It seems. Yeah. It's it's real simple stuff, but at the time, especially seeing it in person, it really suddenly had an effect on me. Where I was Word, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I get what he's doing. Yeah. I don't like. I I don't know. I I'm sure most people when they look at it, it's not even that they don't get it it's that they don't care to get it like it's just so simple but yeah like, it's, like, it's like blue with another stripe of a different color blue but, yeah but like, even like if you if you look at it like one blue will be very 
textured and the other one isn't. Yeah. It's a lot of small differences. So he's working that, with textures. He's working with his layers and stuff. He really does a, need to be seen in person. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, all those things are just eliminated the minute that you see it yep. in 2D. Yeah. I always say um, about, about art that it's very, very much like watching a YouTube video that was captured on a cell phone of a concert of your favorite right. band concert versus seeing them in concert. Yeah, it's it's way different. <laughs> yeah, when you're hearing look at it this way, when you're hearing that entire spectrum of sound being reproduced by the how small is that speaker in your fucking cell phone? Speaker on a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Versus every molecule of air around your head vibrating. Right. It's not the fucking same at all. No. You know? And I think photos of art and seeing it in person is, is very different. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of times whenever people see stuff and they don't like it, I think that if they saw it in person, it they'd changes. probably be seeing yeah. a different too. Pollock is that way. Yeah. Uh, if you see Pollock stuff like First off, it's gigantic. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, so big. Yeah. But like, you just see stuff in there. Like, mm. there's a there's a lot more to it, and a, and a lot of his colors too. Like, I remember I don't remember the title of one, but I remember seeing one in particular, mm. and there was a seafoam green in there that I I just like it never gets out of my mind and mm. I always look for it when I see something kind of seafoam green I'm like yeah. is it that same green wow you're and chasing it never dragon. is it's never that same exact and it, maybe it's the contrasting colors around it that make it look that way but like I I don't know I, I like a lot of his stuff that's cool man I think on our Instagram we should post like maybe you know like Some a piece stuff that from, we like. each yeah, of these, yeah. from each of these people okay. so that people can check them out and that's hopefully cool be inspired to go see them in the flesh someday. Yeah. Or just can. make art. Yeah, or just do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, hopefully maybe you see some of the stuff and you're like, I can fucking do that. And you try it. And do it. Yeah. Good for you. Steve, before we get on to the movie review portion here, I want to crack open another beer. What are we going to be drinking on? We started off having cold beers. Yeah, but now we? we're at Kabir's. Kabir's. You, you have a cold beer and uh-huh. then a co-beer. Uh-huh. Fuck it, man. Kabir. Kabir. Then Kabir. Then Kub. This is another Michiganite. From our man Tim, he sent us this one. This is from Frankenmuth Brewery, which is in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Yep, and it has a picture of a dachshund on it. And it does. He's smoking a pipe, and it's he's a wearing Hefeweizen a, called a, the Hef. a smoker's jacket, too. I think he is meant to be in the visage of one Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner, yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah, so if it tastes as cute as that um, looks, we got to... We're in the, for a treat. How does cute taste? Now that I think about it. That's a good question. You ever, t- you ever taste something and you go, oh, cute. Oh, that's pretty cute tasting. <laughs> I'm sure there's something. Give me a minute. Yeah. Give, give me a minute. I'll come up with something there. <laughs> I, I enjoy a Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen was one of the first, yeah. like, non, you know, lager type beers that well, I kind of yeah, got it's, into. It's a very accessible sort of brew for sure. But there's some Sweet. that you have that are, like, exceptional. Yeah. You know? So Sometimes let's see if this is one of those. This is nice and clear. Nice light looking. It's only a five point two ABV, so it's not too much of an ass kicker. Uh, mm. Sometimes, sometimes uh, hefeweizens can get a little cloying with that kind of banana. Too sweet, yeah. Oh yeah, the banana y flavor. Yeah, some of yeah. them are like very banana and very clove tasting. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a little bit too much. Where like you're halfway done, you're like, yeah, I've had about enough of this. Hopefully, this one isn't quite that way. What's your first impression of that thing? smells pretty oh. good. It smells pretty dry. It doesn't smell overly It is sugary. dry. Um, it's dry. It's smoky. Mm, mm-hmm. Kind of like a farmhouse ale, but like not as intensely smoky. And that isn't super sugary at all. No, it's t- it's a 
it's pretty dry. It Clean still has finish, a little stuff. bit of that, a little bit of that malty banana y, kind of like yeah, a, almost there. like a banana's foster kind of flavor because it's like yeah. a little cinnamony or something mm-hmm. in there too. Yeah, but but subtly so. There's a good spice to it. I like it. Yeah, I do too, man. A wonderful choice. Thank you so much. Again, so many people have donated us yeah, some killer seriously. beers. If you want us to sample the beers of your town, drop us an email. Yeah, we'll send you an address. You send us a beer address. How about that? We'll send you some fresh steaming podcasts every week for That's true. over 100 episodes. <laughs> Man. Seems like a pretty seriously. good bargain for everybody, I think. a pretty good deal. I it think is. so. Now, Steve, the subject of our show today is... Off Ice Killer from 1997. <laughs> Off Ice. <laughs> it's about a, a disgruntled hockey player. Yeah. He kills when he's off the off ice. Off the ice. Uh-huh. Wait, so, that's Jason. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, Jason I guess so. Murray. Yeah, he's an Off Ice we Killer. We watched Friday the 13th. <laughs> okay, guys, yeah, let's just cut to the chase right here. <laughs> so, was this the first time you watched this flick? Yeah, I had never seen this. I never heard of it, it until you suggested it for the show. Well, like I had seen it listed because, like you know, uh, for Women's Month last month or last year and this year, like it just wanted yeah. to, and and just generally, I want to do stuff with female um, filmmakers, but there just aren't a ton. Not of, a ton. Uh, horror movies directed by women. Yeah, um, or at least not enough that you can do one regularly every month. Like, unfortunately, yeah, or yeah. you'll run out pretty quick. Um, and so I'd seen this in lists and the picture that it would often show was Carol Kane kind of late in the movie when Kim is saying that, you know, Carol or uh, that, uh, Doreen attacked her in the, yeah. and, and it shows her sitting at her desk, just sort of looking up and looking menacing. Yeah. And I always thought like, man, that looks interesting, but it never, it was never enough to make me just sit down and watch it. Sure. Um, I'm glad I did. Yeah. So you <laughs> watched it. Did. You watched it once, and did you see it a, a second time. Yeah, I watched it a couple times for this, and I, yeah, I, I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna say for sure that this is not a complicated movie. No, but that it is shot by an obvious artist. Yeah, like, definitely. Definitely. The, the shots are more complicated than the story itself. Well, sure. and honestly, too, it's one of those situations where. It seems like a lot of people online really hate this movie. Like yeah. people fucking hate it. Like yeah, I, I got, read a bunch got, of like, reviews. A terrible yeah. Rotten Tomato score and shit. Yeah. yeah, like I was reading a bunch of IMDb reviews, and there were so many like one star, like this is the worst movie I've ever seen reviews, where it's like, good lord, people really hated this yeah. thing. But it's like ultimately, what could you have necessarily added? To this movie that would make it better. Would like yeah. a love story make this better? Not really. No, that would have definitely hurt it. I think um, it's only like an hour twenty too. It's yeah, barely it's a even a short movie. Movie. It it's got. I mean, for a horror movie, it it, it fits in the vein of Maniac, which we we've done. Yeah, go check that episode out. Uh, don't go in the house, which is one we've talked about doing. That's one that I don't know anybody else that has yeah. seen. That is hyper weird but whereas and maybe even henry portrait of a serial color yeah maybe a little bit of henry too. uh and and definitely and we'll be doing this movie in the future sleep boy camp 2 which yeah. i don't think you've have you ever watched it i think i want to say i watched it once okay uh it, it has some sleep boy camp 2 to it as would, well but like i would say the connective tissue between this movie and those is that they're movies where the killer isn't the villain or whatever in the movie, the killer is the main character and we right. follow their story and their narrative. Yeah. And we, we kind of sympathize with them sure. a little. Right. Uh, in maniac, it's less so than say in this, but yeah, 
we kind of sympathize with them a little bit and also we see them doing horrendous things but you also kind of like in this you get that she's alone and mm-hmm. that she also had like childhood trauma and things right you get that but you're never like, just like with maniac you're never on her side entirely you're right. still just like no you're this doing is horrible weird. things right <laughs> you're being very strange right well it's it's cool because like those kinds of movies i think are so disturbing in a lot of ways because it shows you not only what these killers are doing when you think of them killing and stuff right. but it also shows what happens when they go home after that Yes. What's the home life? Like, what's right. the difference of the... And also the, the public versus private lives of these people because, you know, whenever you whenever you learn about a lot of these serial killers and stuff like this and you learn about how their public face and their private face were something oftentimes completely different. Yeah. Uh, it's cool to see that explored in movies. It is. And it's not done a lot and it's not done well very often, but it's one of those things that I find to be hyper ultra disturbing because this is stuff that happens... All over the world, all the time. It really is strange. Like, strange to know that there are people probably right now with a corpse in their home. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, definitely. And yeah. They talk to it in the crawl space or something, too, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, you know, one thing that differentiates this from those movies, there's rarely ever movies, especially this kind of thing, about female serial killers. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, a female serial killer um, is a. a more rare occurrence than a yeah. male, male serial killer. They happen. But People say there's never been one. That's not true. They do happen, and they're not all angels of mercy and and nurses, you know, etc. Some of them are like full on, like Bell Guinness. Like, full-on murder, because mm. I don't care about people yeah. and shit like that. And your Elizabeth Bathory's. Elizabeth Bathory, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like the, there's so many in the past, but, like, you just don't see it reflected a lot in horror movies. Yeah. But when it is, it's usually comical, like, say, Sleepaway Camp 2. Right. Or it's, like, a, a, a sexy nurse killer. Right, yeah, where they're like using that. their sex appeal. Yeah. And... Carol Kane's not doing that. Well, it's like I remember whenever she can't, she can't even use her sex appeal to get her eyebrows on right. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those eyebrows, dude. But you know, I, I think the truth about female serial killers is, I think there's been a lot more of them in history. Yes, they've I think been overlooked. Been tons more, and they've been smart enough to not get caught. Well, and a lot of times, like I mean, this is this is true of certain periods, not yeah. always, but certain periods. Uh, it would have been assumed that a woman couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they would just get away with it because well, you know, there's no way they were ever going to assume it was a woman. That's something, just to, to, to take it back for a second, I forgot to mention in our Jennifer's Body episode that we did last uh-huh. week, did you notice how that was even in that movie a little bit too? Like whenever the cops yes. were talking, they are like, we'll find the man that did this. Uh-huh. It's like they just assume a woman... Right. A woman couldn't have done and it, and if she, if, even if she could, she wouldn't, because women have this natural motherly instinct toward yeah. people, or all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's just overlooked. And this, it's like she, they show her like she doesn't like taking care of her mom. Mm-hmm. She killed her dad, basically. Yeah, like and paralyzed her mom as a result. Right. Of the she car crash. she doesn't display uh, sex appeal. She doesn't display outward beauty. She's not uh, going out of her way to make men feel comfortable. Yeah, like she she's not the type of female serial killer you've ever seen before, really, in a movie. Right. Um. I mean, I'm sure there are other films where 
they're female serial killers. Similar, I would, yeah. uh, you know, but this one, uh, she's not Catwoman, is what you're saying. Yeah, she's she's specifically <laughs> not Catwoman. <laughs> Very specifically, I think it says that. Yeah, yeah. Although she's kind of like. She, she's more she's like a cat woman lady at the first of the movie. Right. She's, she's more similar she's to exactly, that, really. She's like, yeah. Michelle Imagine Pfeiffer. if Catwoman never got powers. It'd be this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hell That's here. Exactly what it would yeah. Be. yeah, it's an alternate universe story is what it really uh-huh. is. <laughs> and she is played by Carol Kane. And like we said, Carol Kane, it's like I knew her from Kimmy Schmidt, Adam's yeah, Family, a lot of, a lot of, yeah. a lot of really funny stuff. Uh, she's fucking in other Scrooge. horror movies. She's in Scrooge. Oh yeah, Scrooge. She's in some other horror movies. Yeah? She's in a, When a Stranger Calls. Okay. And um, a couple of other, but like, yeah, I just don't think of her as being in serious roles or right. playing playing anything other than someone funny or uh, a lot of times absurd a lot of her characters are absurd characters yeah yeah definitely so and this uh this movie kind of reminded me of like let's say whenever i saw robin williams in uh what's that movie where he's like developing photos all right yeah uh one hour photo one hour photo yeah yeah. we're used to seeing him as you know nanu nanu yeah and mr funny guy zany guy all the time and then you see that he is playing this like hyper weird fucking uh-huh. creepy obsessed thing and doing it incredibly convincingly right. well this kind of had that where like right. there is no shade of humor in anything no. that she does in this movie no. and she does it i think i think that she plays the part exceptionally well yes she does exceptionally well man mm-hmm. yeah especially like uh the parts where she's talking to the corpses or yeah. where she's yelling at her mom like the thing the thing is that um, this is this has some maybe had some influence on hereditary I think like yeah it, it, maybe not but there's definitely she feels in control with a corpse yeah right she she like like how, like how um, she does with the models in right hereditary. yeah right. so she's able to make her art with the corpses yeah uh, and this is obviously and a, make a family and make a home right with corpses yeah she she's able to improve her life with corpses yeah but she she is a a, a pretty uh, obvious analog of Cindy Sherman Cindy Sherman was making herself a character in some ways of mm. Cindy Sherman mostly does stuff with herself yeah she will do her own makeup her own hair and whatnot to make herself into these different characters and she takes right she does photo shoots with herself like the first stuff that she kind of got popularized for and that hit galleries really hard was a series she did of like bus riders yeah she would just ride the buses and find people that she thought seemed interesting looking or whatever and and try to duplicate them with herself yeah Yeah. exactly and then she did like a series of things from movies right things that looked like they were from movies and so she then in the 90s moved to doing a lot of stuff with mannequins and prosthetics and stuff Mm, okay and it's very obvious the message that comes out of that is that she's not comfortable working with people which is what Doreen is. She's oh, okay. not yeah. comfortable working with people, but she's comfortable with posing corpses. And she's also comfortable with computers. Yes, she's very comfortable Takes with the computers. human element out of yeah. communication Removing and the human she can element do it. And she feels more comfortable. Yeah. I think that's that's a, a big part of this movie too, yeah. for sure. So yeah, she she is this Cindy Sherman analog that is this artist who hmm. works. She 
she's comfortable when they're dead she feels like she can say the things she couldn't say before so like right whenever gary the first guy dies the guy who looks like jason schwartzman and <laughs> john lovitz had a kid dude you said that and it's like that's yeah. exactly what that guy looks like i was trying to figure it out while we were watching it and i'm like he's something but i can't say what he is and he is precisely that yeah and he's got a horrible voice yeah he does he sounds just like john lovett and it's it's because there's this thing through the movie about him having a cold and giving people his cold yes and i guess that's why he talks really daisily and stuff yeah. like that and a couple other people do because they get the cold i don't know why that's it, relevant to the story i really even at all. just loved it if right when we the part where we think he dies and she th- thinks he's dead yeah and what i was getting at was her she whenever he's dead she finally says the things that she wanted to say to him and she does that with everybody else as they die or later when they're dead and she's posing them she's able to talk to him and say the things that she couldn't say but it would have been really amazing if as she thought he was dead he stood up from the ground then pulled off his suit and then said (laughs) i'm john lovitz just revealed it acting (laughs) that would have definitely made this movie absolutely better absolutely better but yeah so like yeah (laughs) like when she gets like or even just when they're dead when her mom dies she's finally able to say the things to her mom that she's been wanting to say and that she's been saying by essentially controlling her mom turning off like unplugging Unplugging her her chair and stuff and but you know that that scene where after her mom dies unexpectedly and she goes in there, and her first reaction is just a blood-curdling, like, freak-out scream. Right. And then she goes through this whole really fast range of emotions yes. on the camera. And it's just one shot. Yeah. The acting in that is, like, a fucking 20 out of 10. Oh, yeah. She's I, great. I, I had to, re- like, it finished, and I was like, holy shit. I had to rewind yeah. it, like, watch it again. Very intense. Yeah. Because she goes through, you know, like, no, you can't go. This can't be happening. And then she kind of like pulls away and she's like, you fucking dance in, in hell with dad. Yeah. And she she also says some stuff like, you just, you're a silly girl. Uh-huh. Which to me is like, she gets very childlike yes, at she times. Yes, she does. You know? Yeah, she does that with the other corpses too. Like uh, Very childish. She yeah. like leans into the Gary corpse and then starts giggling and she's like, you shouldn't say that to a girl. Yeah. Gary. Like, yeah. Like, Which all goes back to that thing that we've seen happen time and time again where a lot of times when people experience a really a traumatic trauma, event yeah. in their in their early childhood days they, they get stuck they just kind of stay that way yeah she yeah. she kind of did she's been in the same job she um she's working has the, no social the, life she has no social life she's only hanging out with her mom and her cats yeah like, working at a magazine that her dad created so her dad got yeah, her the job the only job she's ever had yeah, yeah so her family is like all she's ever had essentially yes. And yeah, th- that that scene is really, really, really amazing and really intense. And like I said, I love that they made it childish. Yeah, in the way that she does that stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of depth to her character. I think maybe some people have trouble with the fact that there's not much depth to the other characters. I would say the two yeah. characters that have the most depth are her and Kim. Kim Molly played by Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Who's awesome. Oh, yes. She's great. She's great. And she's so pretty. Yeah. I like, I had a huge crush on Molly Ringwald yeah. growing up. Everybody and I, did. Like, like, this is 97 and she was just still smoking hot gorgeous. I know. She's um, awesome. Yeah. She's great. Uh, but like, she, they're like uh, foils to each other. They they're, are. Like, she's the antagonist, I guess. But 
the antagonist only because we're seeing it through the view of Carol King. Yeah, Doreen. She's, she's the good guy if you're like, she's, she's the person putting the pieces together and getting a killer. But caught. she's also a bad person. Like, that's yeah. the thing is that Doreen is this uh, sweet, meek, and mild person who will kill you and yeah. arrange your corpse in a way that she can enjoy having a, a, a conversation with it. But her public her public face is she's yeah. weird and awkward and is everybody's yeah. doormat. And then Kim, publicly, she is very outspoken, always lets her opinion be known she doesn't yeah. care how other gorgeous. people feel about it and she's yeah gorgeous yeah uh she's she's having sex with a married man etc yeah. like she she's she is the, the opposite yeah exact opposite of uh doreen and so <laughs> i talked if you listen to the minisode i talked a bit about abjection in, in us. regards to yeah. us but the reason why i started uh, thinking about abjection in regards to us was because uh that is one of cindy sherman's sort of focuses is mm. is the abject mm-hmm. um the things and by abject that that means basically we we uh when we create ourselves we we show who we are to the world um and what we're doing is actually also repressing the things that we don't want people yeah. to see i'm a liberal i'm not a conservative right and so yeah. we sort of create a duality of ourselves so we have the person that everybody knows and then the person that we're trying to hide by projecting that person everyone well, else it, it, if you want to take it take it back to the world of art uh, right it's like you got this huge block you chip all this stuff away to make a sculpture right. but there's still all the stuff you chipped away yeah all the stuff you chipped away yeah. that's the abject right yeah that's right. the monstrous element of ourselves the part you didn't want yeah and in this case kim i would say in a lot of ways doreen is is kim's abject mm-hmm. doreen is the exact fear kim has the thing she doesn't want to be she probably used to be meek and mild mm-hmm. and had to break herself out of this to become this person that she's become yeah whereas doreen has never done that she's never progressed mm-hmm. uh, and so what we find then is that doreen's progression is constantly rubbing up against kim like everything she does sort of fucks with kim's life yeah in Doreen's final full progression to this new and different person who can move past her family and move out of this home she's always lived in, mm-hmm. the when way she, she becomes down. that is by killing Kim. Like right. the final person she kills before she can finally be a new individual. Because we kind of see her grow a right. little bit through the movie. Like at first, at the at the top of the movie, she has this very like baby doll makeup uh-huh. and lipstick yeah. and like wears her hair up and little buns and uh-huh. stuff and then she starts wearing like the jewelry from these right. women that she's killing and then she starts wearing her hair down and, and she gets a little more confident she's able yeah. to talk to daniel a little more confidently than she talks to other people and, yeah. and like she starts talking to uh what's daniel the uh gene triple horns character Ugh. oh yeah no it starts with it in i think nora nora yeah nora yeah. she she starts sort of almost having a friendship with yeah. nora and that's almost like a very like maybe she just kind of feels bad for her right kind of yeah, made me nora, think of carrie nora yes nora is obviously feeling bad for her. gives her some old clothes of hers yeah. and stuff like that but like she does it i mean still she seems to be genuine and it would have worked out great for her if it weren't for the thing that is actually i guess the driving point of this movie is that she is embezzling money from this company nora is embezzling money from this company that is causing them to now at this point have to lay off some people yeah have people which work is from home and go part yeah time. and having to work from home and, and all that stuff is what makes uh doreen sort of snap yeah 
because so she then, has to be at home more. Because right. basically, her home life Sucks. is the fucking worst. It's the worst, yeah. So it's like her work is all she has. Like, uh, a lot of us have probably known the person who, when an uh, older family member gets sick, they just take care of them happily. And yeah. it's like, wow, you're an amazing person. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Because the rest of us are Doreen. Yeah. And Doreen is not happy about having to take care of her mom yeah. all the time. And it, and it can, it can start one way and then the other two yep like i i, I have some yeah very, you can start with the best of intentions yeah. and then it's like oh my god this is it's way hard yeah. yeah i i have some some friends and stuff who have done that and uh, one friend in particular who's dealing with that right now where yeah he's, he's taking care of his of his mom who's uh you know on the downward slope of it's things. a lot of work and he's i mean he's at his fucking breaking point it's he exhausting really, he really is and especially if you're talking about okay not only is she taking care of her mom, right, which would would be rough long right. term, she's also taking care of her mom who sided with her molester. Right. This is the mom who she told her mom that her dad was molesting her, and her mom was like, "I'll wash him. your mouth out." Yeah, she said they yeah. were filthy lies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just wouldn't believe her, and yeah. even while the dad was in the car, like groping her up on the yep. back seat and stuff. And also, the fact is that she was taking care of somebody who sided with her abuser that is also the collateral damage of an event she caused, which is the car crash. Yeah, Like, what a, what a twisted and fucked up web where it's like, I'm having to take care of you because I took out the guy that you didn't believe that was right. molesting me. Like, that's, that's just a crummy situation. And her mom is not nice to her. No. <laughs> so that does... It, I mean, like, she's at this breaking point at home and then at work... The only place she's ever worked, the place her father founded. Yeah. Uh, they're now cutting back her hours, and yeah. she has to work from home. Be at home with mom more. Yeah, be at home with mom more. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, like, for a person who has had this trauma and never really been able to deal with it and never been able to grow past it, to experience such pressure from all sides, right? there's going to be a release. Sure. And the release comes when Gary accidentally dies. Yeah. But she sees the result of that is that now she has control of Gary. This guy who she was afraid, like frightened. Well, he was he was kind of like he's an asshole. Her, yeah, yeah. He was kind of like grabbing on her and stuff, mm-hmm. like on her shoulders and, and all this then, stuff. Yeah. But then yeah. also being like physically intimidating to yeah, her too when she didn't respond to it. Like, yeah. And she sees that if this person's dead. They have no power over Right, them. I have yeah. absolute power over them if they're dead. So then it's all the people that are exhibiting power over her. She's right. just like, you know what? Get rid of this person. But then it becomes... So here's two Girl Scouts. I'd like yeah. to add them to the collection. Yeah, that that yeah. was like the real like, what the fuck? Yeah. She just killed two children. Children, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I did not expect that to happen. Yeah. Then it's not about control anymore. It's yeah. about her becoming who she wants to be. Well, and I even. And she's like taking charge and taking power. And it's like, you go, girl? Like, Ish. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. I think the fact that she killed those Girl Scouts is more of an analogy of of, of corporate greed. With oh, these okay. massive layoffs and stuff where they don't give a fuck who they put in the crosshairs. Right. They're just okay. out to eliminate. Cause, so cause, she's, she's feeling that power that's been exerted over her. Just that I don't give a fuck who I do yeah. this to. Well, well, because look at it this way, too. Like, whenever she saw Gary was on the Galilee right. Peter, right? Whenever she saw Gary die, what clicked in her head might have been if there's less people 
getting paid around here, then maybe I can keep my job. Yeah. You know, maybe she kind of became like the corporate layoffer who's just like, I, I've got to stay afloat. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck yeah. you. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Uh-huh. Just at random. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that, that's sort of a, an analogy that they're playing with there because I don't know why else she would have fucking killed Girl Scouts. They just came yeah. to her door to sell cookies. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that her mom mentioned... Okay, so her mom mentioned that the little Casper girl had to come over and help her and plug in her chairlift. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, one of those girls is is one of the that oh, girls. Really? She says that she, uh, she saw a picture of her in her little Girl Scout uniform. Oh, I totally and missed that. She looked that. just like you when you were that age, and like uh, I, I think maybe just seeing her brought her back to that yeah. age. But then why would she kill the other one? So like, I think you're right. I, I think there's like some trauma to it, but it's yeah. also just like she's she's getting wild with power. Like she's like, oh, I could kill anybody. Like, right. They're, cool. they're uh, like, there. She killed somebody apparently because at the end when she's like having that sort of delusion of everybody before she burns down the house of yeah. everybody sort of talking and enjoying themselves. There's an old man sitting in a chair that I don't remember her killing. I think that was the homeless guy. I think that it was saw the homeless the guy, but garage. she paid him off. So there, yeah. there must have been a scene where she killed him. I feel like there was some stuff that was cut from yeah. this movie. Yeah, because it's also like, how did Molly Ringwald start thinking that she was the killer? Like, yeah, how, it was a, it was a big progression. How did she put that those pieces together. Well, yeah, it, it really it got it, it quickly escalated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there I think was a lot of it there. was just hatred, though. Like yeah. as I was saying that, like. For Molly Ringwald, looking at her, she's looking at all the things she doesn't want to be. Like, right. The yeah. things that are in herself that she, she probably went through of being the mousy sort of quiet girl yeah. to like... Uh, I mean, we all do that when we see the... Like, I see people like like if i see a teenager who's like me as a teenager i just think in my head like (laughs) i think in my head like fuck you because i know like you need to grow yeah you need to grow you need to be better than this yeah um and also you think you have shit figured out you don't know shit you don't know shit shit. yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is one of those things that that teenage me would have been like oh yeah fuck you yeah exactly oh yeah that's why, that's why teenage me was pretty awesome. He would have told <laughs> adult me, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, amidst all this all, all the good acting and stuff that, that Carol that Carol does in this, I think that her, her performance is seriously fucking incredible and and reminds me of somebody that, that I know uh, oh, yeah. a very, very much, yeah. Like to a T almost. And okay. it makes me feel very weird to watch this movie. Uh oh. There's also some there's also some not good acting in it, I yes. would say. Um, yeah, I would particularly say Barbara Sokawa, Which the one's she? German lady who's yeah. playing Ariana Huffington. Yeah. yeah. that She's really bad. She, she's it's she's like, wrestling that accent really she, hard. It, that's the most Argento this movie gets, though. <laughs> yeah. like, I yeah. feel like in some ways that was inspired. Because like, she right. she's an actress who continues to work. She's obviously she's done been good work. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So in this, she's she's acting over the top on purpose, I guess. Like she talks like how people talk in your dreams, where yeah. it's like just not quite right, right? You yeah, know? and very very unrealistic. Um, and it was interesting to me because the uh, I think it was the maybe the Village Voice or something. There's an, a review I read where they pointed out that she is an obvious caricature of Ariana Huffington, and I was like. Wait a second, is Cindy Sherman conservative? So I looked up Ariana Huffington. Turns out Ariana Huffington was conservative. 
See, all through the 90s. This is stuff I have no idea about because I only know HuffPost now as like being a very liberal, very liberal outlet. Yeah. 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 But wait, so back in the 90s. Back in the 90s, she, uh, her husband ran for office as a Republican. She ran for office as a Republican. And like she ran against Schwarzenegger when yeah. there was the, the runoff election for the governorship in California. She ran as a Republican. Of course, he was running as a Republican too. Yeah. But like, yeah, so. She just out to like, you know be sold to the highest bidder whoever's popular well, or is going to listen see, to her at the time here's the thing like people have said this about trump too that like in new york if you're part of high society in new york and you're not a democrat you're not people aren't going to really want to talk to you and hang yeah, out with you. right right so there are a lot of uh social democrats mm-hmm. in the new york city high society and uh, Trump was one of them. He was a Democrat for a long time because it's, it would be social suicide to be a Republican. Yeah. The same with Ariana Huffington, I would say. Wow. I mean, I don't know the convictions of her heart. I'm just saying that that might have had something to do with it. And making a making an inside kind of joke or jab about Ariana Huffington as a, a public figure <laughs> right. very much dates this movie. It does date this movie. As for does sure. the technology. <laughs> <laughs> right, like those uh, those brick thick laptops. Yeah, dude, I remember seeing those. We never yeah. had one, of course. No, but, like, no, because those were so expensive. Back oh yeah, in the day. N- we never could have afforded that. Yeah, and then it would be like it has a word processor. Whoa, yeah, maybe Snake on it. I remember a buddy, a buddy somehow ended up with one, and it had like Solitaire on it. And I was yeah. just like, holy shit, I can't wait to fucking play Solitaire. No Minesweeper though. Not hadn't gotten to that point. I was never much of a Minesweeping kind of guy. Yeah, Kate loves a Minesweeper. I love to sweep a mine. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. I'd rather sweep the leg. What? Or a Solitaire. Leg Sweeper should be. Uh, yeah, like leg somebody sweeper, should yeah. make a, a, a like Flash game. Microsoft like uh, Windows 95 version of a game called Leg Sweeper. <laughs> I would play that like crazy. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, some of the technology stuff, I think there's also like uh, somebody has a pager in here, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. It, sweet, sweet pager, bro. It definitely feels very of the time, which is something that as technology becomes more and more integrated into our, our daily, every waking second of our lives, it's going to be very hard for movies not to get that way. Like, you're going to be able to tell how old movies are by if the person's iPhone has a button on it or not. Right. You, you know? Like, Whoa, look at that bezel. That was like three years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, the screen doesn't even wrap around the edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so dumb. Well, I mean, that is... I, I've, I've said this before, but that is why we've gotten to the point of so much nostalgia now yeah. where there's so many 80s and, and like 90s movies and stuff because it's like, well, if we do that, we avoid cell phones. <laughs> right. We avoid like the major technology yeah. uh, booms. Yeah. And I think the technology in this movie is is important, though, because it does show how... I mean, like we said, uh, 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 Doreen... Doreen, right? Yeah, Doreen. So bad with names. Doreen is face-to-face extremely, extremely awkward. But right. But once the human element is taken out, she can email like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. And becomes very empowered through that. And it's like, I've known a lot of people that are like that where... Yeah. You know, you talk to them in person and they're awkward as all fuck. But then they'll they'll text message up a storm or a Facebook message right. or whatever and be very very socially uh, adept and elegant yeah. with their speaking and stuff. Yeah, there's less know? of a threat that way. I mean, like yeah. a lot of people, especially people who've gone through traumatic experiences, there's a physical intimidation 
of yeah. seeing another person. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think it also says something about the the kind of dehumanization. Yeah. Maybe of, of corporate office life or of the fact that she's a serial killer, so she does better with it that way. Yeah. I don't know. I think that that's kind of a definitely an element of the movie worth yeah. noting. You yeah, know. Sure. Steve, I just gotta whip my whistle. It's yeah. getting so dry. Yeah. Your whistle's dry as hell over there, dude. <laughs> Oh, I can't. Ooh, I can't even get a tune oh. out of this thing. <laughs> I better lubricate this thing. Let's lubricate. Let's yeah. get ourselves a project dank. A project dank from La Cumbre. Yeah, from our homeboy Scott Manning down in New Mexico. He sent us a big old batch of them. This is actually no. There's a couple more. There's a couple more that he sent to go. Oh, okay, but I think this is the last from this uh, La Cumbre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this from the beers we've had from them. All of them. I am a gigantic fan yeah. of La Cumbre. Holy God. That space yeah. manatee, that sour, oh, kettle sour. That God was so damn, good. that was so good, man. That episode, we did that in like a stout. It was such a good combination. Yeah, it was. We had one of the other Project Danks he sent me that I think was like a, a autumn edition or something like that. Yeah, and this is the winter edition of the Project Dank. Yeah, which I don't know if it gives an explanation. No, it doesn't tell nope. what that means exactly. Smells great though. And yeah, as usual, no ABV listed. They just don't roll like that. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> It'll get you gamble. drunk. That's all that matters. Yeah. It smells great. It's clear. A lot of the other ones we've had have been very cloudy. This is quite a bit more clear. What's Ooh. that about? Is that getting good to you? That is resiny. That extremely. Is oh, and there is some. There's some grapefruity sort of citrusiness. At the end. At the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it hit me as you said that, where you Ooh. get a little bit of that acidic, um, like you said, more like a, a grapefruit or an orange peel kind of taste at the very end. That is good. I like that. That like, I do too. I've had so many like really orangey, fluffy, yeah. creamy ones lately. This was just piney and resiny with a tiny bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, that is good, man. And it's also completely different than the other Project Dank too. Yeah, it is completely different. It's not ultra hoppy. Like it's not very no. like skunky or funky. No, it's not. It doesn't have a bunch of that to it. It's very just smooth. more of the the more of that uh, resiny taste to it. Mm. Whew. That is awesome. That's how we, that's what you want bong water to taste like. <laughs> then it doesn't. Never does. Every time I have to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you do. You end up in these situations. Right. Now, Steve, this story is told through the uh, incredible cinematography. Of course, obviously, oh, when you have a photographer making a yeah. movie, it's probably going to look pretty good. Yeah. I think you could just about take just about any still from this movie Frame it, put it up, and hang the it up. Yeah, there is specifically when Daniel and Nora are in her bed or their bed at yeah. the apartment. the The composition of that shot and the setup, oh, yeah. like, it's just so perfect. Yeah. Like, I yeah, and then there's so many moments where she uses, which you would expect her to do as she's a visual storyteller, but where she uses visual information to tell you. Right. Far more than you would get with words, and what you find out is, when, uh, say for instance, the the phone call to Gary's wife yeah, to yeah. ask about where Gary is. Right, you've never seen Gary's home life at all. Never at seen Gary's home life. You learn everything you need to know about it without any of it being said. Really, no exposition at all. Right. Yeah. He his wife is on the phone. We don't see her face ever. 
We see her yeah. mouth talking into a phone. Yeah, but we see a lot of images. We see she's in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. We hear kids playing in the background. We just keep seeing these images of ki- of uh, the kitchen toys and stuff like that. Yeah, and you learn just from this that Gary and his wife don't like each other. Yeah. Uh, his wife is stuck at home all the time in the kitchen or taking care of the kids. Right. She's not happy. Yeah. You learn it's all, all right of that there. without any of it being said. And it's maybe 10 seconds of screen yep. time. Just a real quick phone call. Like, yeah. She is able to tell a story visually so perfectly. Well, because that's the thing is like ultimately the project of any photographer that is doing narrative things. Right. Where it's like I'm not just taking a picture of a bowl of fruit. I'm trying to tell the story of a person through right. a photograph. You are getting yourself trained to be able to tell an entire story with one frame. Right. With one frame. In, in film, we're talking about 24 frames per second. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But like, if you're a good photographer, give me one of those fucking things, I'll tell you the whole story. Right. And that is a skill that eludes so many people that yes, just have to is. fucking tell you everything and right, show you exactly. nothing. I think, I think, you know, a lot of people who get into directing are uh, people who wanted to write movies or wanted to produce movies. They had ideas for stories, but the visual element is not their forte. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, like, this is a simple story. I mean, it's fucked Extremely, up. yeah. It's fucked up and weird. But it's a very simple story, very straightforward. Yeah. Um, without her visual storytelling, this could have been a boring movie, but it's not boring. I never got bored while I was right. watching it. It's it's never like, it's a thrill a minute, slam bang right, ride. No. It never really gets to that point. But yeah, I was always interested. I was always like, mm-hmm. where is this going? And yeah. also, I was just like, it pretty. It pretty. Movie pretty. Movie pretty. But not in like a, you know... Typical when you think pretty aesthetically, right, you're no, thinking like beautiful colors a lot and pretty of it is people set in a and, dingy office, yeah. with, with like halogen lights. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not pretty in that way. It's pretty in the way that it, the shots are composed, and the, the again, it's it's her choices, yeah, the choices she's making, what she's choices, showing sure. us, what's in the frame that makes it way more beautiful than it should be. Well, there's even one of my favorite things in this entire movie visually is that part where you have Doreen's mom and she's going up her chairlift and the chairlift is like the left side of the screen. Uh And the right side is the kitchen door. Where she's like being super busy and working her ass off. She does a couple of those. There's also one where uh, Doreen is uh, trying to get the toner in the printer. Oh, yeah. the shot is from outside the building. And you see like just in one window, you see her with the, the toner and then the other window, there's no action. And it makes the action of her with the toner seem more frantic. Definitely. Because you're seeing like a uh, contrast yeah that the chairlift shot is so cool where it's like yeah. the mom is facing the camera in the chairlift but receding into the background right. and into the shadows it's, it's very cool. cool and it lasts a long time it is a, yeah it's it's the length of how long it would actually take to go up that chairlift from the bottom to the yeah. top yeah it's very 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 cool to see that they included that mo- in the movie where it's just yeah. like this matters yeah. you know it's like look look at this it looks cool yeah you know and even some of the shots, like later on, of, of the bodies and things uh-huh. like that are very artful and very well right. composed. I'll tell you, one of the coolest parts of the movie, and this is, a, this is a weird thing to say, one of the coolest parts of the movie is the fucking opening credits. Oh, yeah. They do look really great. They, They're awesome. 
It's yeah. like they projected. It's almost like they had like a stencil uh-huh. of like the the actresses' names and stuff. Yeah, and then projected through it with a yeah, light in like a at dim, a different angle, a dim or, room. So you yeah. see it like wrapping over objects, yeah. and I can't even remember what all it wraps over. It looks like office supplies and stuff yeah. like that. But maybe there's some bodies or something in there too. Maybe I didn't. Notice. It's like very film noir. Yes, feeling. To it me. reminded me of L.A. Confidential. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I've seen some other um, some other art things that are done that way, where it's projections. You know, where yeah. it's uh, projecting an image or words or whatever on top of something else. Right. It's a really cool technique whenever it's done right. Yeah. The opening credits of this, I thought were I really, really enjoyed them. Yeah. Cool. Now this movie, I'll, I'll tell you too. You know, with it being directed and made by by a woman and everything, I thought it was cool to see that women's roles were extremely prominent in this movie right yeah the the boss is a woman and her number one person nora is a woman it smashes the bechdel test yeah oh yeah they're constantly talking about work and i mean they do have conversations about men from time to time but rarely well here's another thing that struck me too is there any moment in this movie and it's it's cool because you don't really notice this until i'm about to bring it up is there any moment in this movie where two men talk to each other on screen i don't think there is Oh my gosh. I didn't notice that. But you don't notice. Yeah. Because it's not just like, this is a women-only movie with only women right. in it. But you just don't notice. There's you know? a, okay, so uh, the guy who she had a crush on when she was little that her yeah. dad gave the job Mr. to. Mr. Landau. Mr. Landau. And there's Gary and there's Daniel. Mm-hmm. I do I don't think not they ever think talk. that. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're ever on the same. Yeah, or if they are, there's a woman there. But there's like, yeah. there's not. Name another movie that doesn't have two men on screen talking. Yeah, like, come up with one off the top of your head. It doesn't I happen. Can, I can't think of one. Yeah, but this movie doesn't really make a show of it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know. Again, it's not stomping on balls and high heels. It's not an emasculating thing. It's just. Well, this is just how it is. Yeah. You know, kind of like we said about Captain Marvel. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. It, yeah, because it it doesn't it doesn't make a show of it. It doesn't no. ever mention it. No, there's not like a there's not a moment where one of the guys is like, boy, real hard taking orders from a woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the men in the movie seem okay with it. It's yeah. just it's just an office. Everybody's working, whatever. Right. You know, I thought that was a cool aspect. That is cool. Yeah, movie. I enjoy that. Soundtrack in this was pretty unobtrusive, but good. Yeah, I the, can't remember a ton of it off the top of my head. I was going to say, cool, but like that open the music in the opening credits was good. Yeah, I cool, like jazzy again, uh-huh. kind of film noir sort of yep. stuff. Nothing that was super over the top, and I think that I think that benefited it in a lot of ways. We were, we were talking before we started the show about whenever it shows those scenes of her in the basement with the bodies, right. and she's like living out this fantasy life with these rotting corpses and stuff. I feel like most filmmakers now. They would put that shitty, teal, grimy, oh, the ring God. filter over yeah. it, and they would have like a Hans Zimmer score behind it that's just like violins so getting increasingly and, higher, yeah. and like, isn't the music isn't, telling you this is weird? Think about how creepy it is that she's talking to corpses. I get that it's creepy she's talking to corpses. Exactly. <laughs> you, ha- you just have to show me that, and that's it. Yeah. Like, the, the plainness and matter-of-factness... Yeah. Is what makes this hyper disturbing. That's what makes, like, to me, Maniac seem so grimy and depraved. And same with Don't Go in the House. There's not really much music in Maniac or Don't Go in the House. Like, Don't Go in the House. Fretless bass and stuff. Uh, Don't Go in the House.
house. It's he got has that, the disco the scene. Disco scene. Yeah. <laughs> Pass out. I don't remember That's much, it, honestly. Yeah. Like, honestly, like showing people in their homes under plain lighting being quiet with corpses is about as creepy as you can get. Yeah. Honestly. It's it like really is. Because you know what it is? Whenever you get that crazy filtered look or grimy film and it you get reminds crazy you soundtrack, it's a movie. Precisely. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm definitely seeing a movie. Yeah. But whenever you see this shit and it's just cameras on, me sitting here talking with a body, right. it makes you go, oh shit, and this happens. It, it makes does. it way more real that the soundtrack and stuff wasn't doing the heavy lifting yeah. right there. Yeah. Like it just reminds me of, say, like, you know, Dahmer talking about yeah. how much time he had with the bodies and stuff and what he could do with them like yeah like that's that's real world stuff so seeing this it's like all right like this is this could happen yeah. and, and and like displaying it portraying it as real as possible oh yeah that it yeah. works it, it works, works for me. It, it definitely works like yeah this this movie has gotten some bad reviews at the time it got bad reviews i don't know if it's gotten a ton of looks since then like i don't know how many people are really I, paying yeah, attention you know, to this movie i searched itunes and i found like one or two people had done podcasts about it like okay. that's it like there's yeah. it's not even something that's been explored much on like horror right review p- podcasts or anything i mean i i get if somebody says that they don't love this movie because yeah. it's uh i mean for, first off the, the story has been done yeah in a lot of ways like um I think that say maniac or don't go in the house has like this over dramatized view of psychopathy or, or sociopathy or whatever we're seeing displayed here. And this is more grounded. Sure. This seems more realistic than those movies do. It does. And it, it, it shows us the trauma and things, but it doesn't get all high and mighty trying to give us some psychological, uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, we know that she was traumatized. We know bad things happened, but we never really get the sense that like, yeah, that's also the explanation for why she's killing these people now. Yeah. Like those things seem almost completely disconnected. Like, it's just like, Oh, you had a real fucked up childhood. Also. Now you're killing people you work with. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's the, the movie never tells us this is all explained because her dad molested her. Right. But it does give us that information. Definitely. Uh, and I think, I think it does. I think it does a better job maybe than maniac or don't go in the house or definitely sleep boy camp too, which is a movie I love, but yeah, is campy and, and crazy. What do you think about the way the special effects and gore are handled? There's not like necessarily a oh, right. ton, but yeah, but the, like there's the scene where, um, she's trying to keep Gary fresh. Oh my God. And yes. so she like, tapes the wound in his yeah because his up. chest is just like caving in or maybe she's like cut him up or something right. i don't know and then she like windexes it and then wipes and the the tape comes off and then she just sort of like pats, play, it, on. pats it back on and Ugh. then like buttons his shirt up that is one of the most disturbing scenes because it's just yeah, like because to her this makes sense yeah it all makes sense to yeah. her she's just like yeah that's fine yeah like, just give me a little shine here what yeah <laughs> Yeah, very, very strange. And then later, Nora, like, trips and, like, her hand, like, falls into his chest. Yeah. Which is really pretty effective and gross. Oh, okay. So, the the male boy that she kills. Yeah. She cuts his hands off. And then she's, like, playing with the hands with her yeah, cats. Yeah, yeah. This, I think, is sort of a direct analog to Sandy Sherman's sort of feeling about what 
she was doing with the mannequin parts and things mm. at that time where mm-hmm. it's just like she gets to as an artist focus on a a piece of a person right like yeah. she gets to play with pieces of people if that if you just choose to photograph the feet right and so yeah. specifically what i would say sort of uh how she highlights that she is saying specifically like this is kind of how I feel I get to play with these parts is that with Virginia the Ariana Huffington type character just if you if you haven't watched it or you're going to watch it again pay attention every few seconds with Virginia her hands are in frame or it's just focused on her hands yeah like hmm. it's just keep showing her hands and I, the stuff of her like smoking and right, cigarettes right, and stuff like or that. like pushing buttons or something yeah, or, yeah. and it, it's like Cindy Sherman's getting to play with that part of her huh she's cool. getting to display and, and, and do things with this part because like it, it really like there's one particular shot I'm thinking of where she reaches in and the shot is just of a tra- of ashtray with a cigarette burning on the side and she reaches in and the way she like grabs the cigarette is basically she just puts her hand forward and then closes her fingers and pulls it back out. It's a real yeah. weird like mannequin way to do it, but it's also like gross. Like, yeah. huh. and that's like Cindy Sherman likes that grossness. Sure. For and, sure. and she, she has said specifically that the hands say so much about us. Like you can hide a lot with your face with like makeup and things, oh, wow, but yeah. you can't hide your hands. Right. So you see someone's hands. You can, maybe you can tell they're older than they look. Oh, sure, right. So, like, she specifically focuses on this woman who wears so much jewelry on her hands and is always smoking. There's always the focus on her hands. Hmm. But then she also has her character, who's supposed to be her, just playing with hands. Yeah. Like, there's the scene where she's playing with the hands with the cat is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but it's exactly the same. She's she's almost like she's saying, that's how I feel. Like, I get to have fun with your parts. Yeah. That's pretty creepy. (laughs) It is creepy. She does other stuff, too, where she puts, like, the fingers on the clock in the kitchen. Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's the kind of thing that, that again, I I think that she definitely did some research into stuff that serial killers did with corpses in their houses. Yeah. So, a lot of that is, yeah, it's, like, Ed Gein and and other people. Yeah. Yeah. You hear stories about him just having parts just in various rooms in the house. Yeah. Like maybe I'll just want to walk by and scope this thing out for a minute. Sure. Maybe uh, I want to look at my 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 uh, my flesh lampshade or yeah. Maybe I want to put on my nipple belt. Play a game of footy with a foot. <laughs> maybe that's what I want to do. You know, it doesn't roll well, but it's fun. <laughs> but the the pun is worth it. Yeah, it's worth I it. I do it for the lols. <laughs> and this movie is like maybe a ultra dark comedy at times. I think it is. I maybe? I, I think it's going for a bit of dark comedy most of the time yeah. but also still having that message of like we like people people can be ugly like no mm-hmm. matter how they display themselves to you at work or in you know uh, at friendly occasions and things you just don't know who they are that's what i was going to ask you about next is like what ultimately do you think is the meaning of all this like why yeah. is she telling us this story about this person in office that chooses to kill all these people that she works with and stuff like what do you think it's out to say oh man i mean that that is maybe an issue i have with the movie is i'm not sure what the message is i think there's like as you said there's a strong feminist presence yeah but there's no message to it it's just right yeah this particular place has 
some female bosses. Yeah, they don't beat the men. Right. Yeah. Um, and then also, it's I mean, we're not being told to be like Doreen right. or anybody, and so like the the morality of the the movie isn't particularly supposed to tell us anything. It's just I think in a lot of ways because she's a photographer, it's just trying to capture something. Yeah, like just trying to capture the idea of this. If this person existed, I got you. What was like, and and that. I, I like like a horror movie doesn't have to have a message. I, sure. I love me a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Like, yeah, I uh, see some teenagers get killed. That maybe though is why it got negative reviews. Is that everybody expected Cindy Sherman to be producing something that said a lot? Yeah, that's that that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Is yeah, just because they know your reputation, they expect right. it to be attacked. It's like if Shyamalan does a non-twist movie, right? Yeah, it's like what the fuck, dude? You didn't <laughs> yeah. do the thing. We wanted to hate you for your twist. Yeah, exactly. Now yeah. I hate you because you didn't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I actually got something a little bit more concrete out of this movie oh, good. after I kind of thought hear. about it. What though, I think that that. In a lot of ways, this movie goes back to something that I that beer is just so good. It's great. I, love it. I can't remember who said it. Uh, it was it was probably like you know just a stand up comedian or somebody like that. But you know somebody made a point of saying that guy that you hit your horn at and give the finger to while you're sitting in traffic. Uh huh. You don't know what that fucking person has been through. Right. You know, you might just be pissing off the wrong fucking right. person. You might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. You know, you might be hitting your horn at that person who has to take care of their mother that they accidentally crippled because they right. were trying to kill their molesty dad. And Right. You never know. You never know. Right. And I think that this movie is is kind of sending a message to people in positions of power and corporations and stuff like that, except there's a corporate greed kind of message in the movie uh-huh. too, that that thing to you that just seems like, whatever, I need to save some money, I'll cut your jobs, or just whatever way you choose to, to snub somebody who you view as a marginalized, trivialized right. person, you might be taking away the only thing that they have. Yeah. And, and you... And you never know yeah, how they're th- going to react. How they're going to react. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really might just be pissing off the wrong person. And also, too, that's, I think, something that, that is important when you look at the way that she physically completely 180s at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Is that person could be anybody. Yes. That and she does. Yeah, she does say that. I mean, the closing narrative yeah. is basically like, I, I could come to your town. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like that person that you could be just pushing over the edge yeah. might be that meek, mild doormat person in the copy room, or it might be the new hot lady at work. They might be the same fucking person. That's true. There's no way to know. This is an era where going postal was something that occurred. Very true. Right. Yes. That where was when this was all People walked into their workplace and shot it up. Yeah. Like that, that was... Not not say it was a common occurrence, but it occurred as sort of a rash mm-hmm. of of shootings that happened for Boy, a, a few years there in the nineties. So yeah, this is definitely I think you're right, playing on that. Yeah. Like can you imagine like I think of all the indignities being murdered while at work. Boy. That's a lame way to go. I didn't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> had to be 
so I could eat food. Yeah. I, I could go kill food, but I can't because I have to pay for a license and 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 then I have to and I'm in a city. There's own to hunt. the land yeah. to go hunt. Like I can't, so I gotta work. And then you're gonna kill me here? Right. Here? <laughs> kill me in the middle of taking a shit. Kill yeah. me any other time. At least I was enjoying myself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At least I was living my best life and not here at that fucking office. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I'm not gonna say that this is like, wow, man, this is one of my new favorite movies. I'm not no, gonna say no. that. I'm I'm in no rush to I think, like. I think we I both have to watch it again. You I know? think we both just saw like the negative reviews and stuff, and we we're just like, wait, why? Yeah, why? But why? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's my final assessment. Of I it. can't think of what would made it's it better, fine. man. Like, yeah. I, I can't tell you anything that I'd be like, well, if they would have done this, it would have mm-hmm. been a ton. Like, sure. Yeah, not really. I think they handled the the story and stuff. A, about as well as they could have yeah I, I i mean to put a number to it like this is a sort of middle of the road movie with uh above middle of the road uh shots yeah and with some some i really think interesting character work from carol kane so for me it's like a six six i think this seems very fair yeah i think that i think that six is also where i would put it yeah you know and i will say that it's a six as it is without Carol Kane. It's probably a four. Yeah. And without Sandy yeah. Sherman, it's probably a three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If this were directed by somebody else, I can't imagine this being uh, fun to watch yeah. at all. Yeah. And without Carol in there, just yeah. owning being it. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like I, cu- I couldn't imagine this movie with, with anybody yeah. else. It would definitely hurt it without her. She's, uh, she's fucking amazing. And it really exposed a new side of her to that. I didn't know about yeah you know so worth a watch definitely worth seeing so you guys check it out i mean if nothing else come on y'all it's short and it's streamed oh, it for is. free on shutter if yeah, you got shutter yeah. you can watch if, it for free if you on got there. shutter and you can get shutter for like four dollars a month or yeah. something if you pay for the whole year um yeah shutter shutter uh, go watch it and if you don't love it fine you're not missing anything yeah. i don't think like if you immediately watch it and don't love it you don't have I to understand watch people it not liking it. Yeah. yeah, this isn't one of those movies where I'm like, oh, everybody will like this. Yeah, yeah, you probably won't. It's not revolutionary. It's not changing anything. It's just, it's fine, but it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Now, next week on the show, we are going to be in celebration, uh, talking about a beloved classic yeah. that is getting a remake that's hitting theaters mm-hmm. here really soon, which I am cautiously optimistic about. I'm talking yeah. about. A pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. 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 The pornographic edition. Yeah, pet cemetery. It's a necro bestiality movie. Necro bestiality movie. Pet cemetery. Hot. Yeah, we're talking about the OG. Uh, we might be able to squeeze in a mini-sode of the remake whenever it comes yeah, out. We'll I'd try like to. to. Is a guy. I, I would also like to do that because that. It, it does like the previews make it look like it could be a, like just like it made a much better version of the 1990 miniseries. Yeah, I thought so for sure. Um, I I think a much better version of the 1992. I, I think, think so. Yeah, something like that is. Is within our grasp. It'd be okay. Yeah, I can already tell you from the previews stuff. It looks like they're drawing more from the book. There's stuff in there yeah. uh, in the preview about the Wendigo. Okay, which is like the the 
Native right. American the shapeshifter yeah. thing, yeah, mm-hmm. that like brings all this stuff about. In the in the old one, they don't talk about that stuff at all. Okay, so yeah, it looks like old, in this yeah, one, the old one doesn't give any sort of explanation. No, yeah. not at all. Other than it all a rod. I say the word rod a lot because it's like my touchstone for this accent. Don't go down that rod. Don't go down that accent rod. Rod. How many times are we gonna dip into the Judd accent in that episode? A million. I think we just. It'll be the entire. Time. Actually, you know what we should do? We should take a drink every time we do the Judd Yeah, accent. do a shot every time the Judd accent gets dropped. By the end, we're like, oh, shots. Yeah, so be sure to tune in next week for that one. That'll be fun to talk about because spoilers... It's not that good. It's not, guys. It's it, like I know it's you fun. Were I like it. I like it. I'll say I like it, but it's not that good. I'll say this: I know you were scared of the Zelda parts when you were a kid. Yeah, that does not make a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Just because you were scared of a stunt man dressed up as a woman doesn't mean the movie's good, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, man. so tune in, hear all of our thoughts and musings about that one. That'll be a, definitely a fun episode. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Seriously, I know I say it all the time, but I say it all the time because it matters all the time. It really does. It helps us out a whole lot. Yeah, definitely. And where can they follow us on them internet? At Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Something Blah 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 on Facebook. Um, also, email. you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. We also have a Discord. If you want the link to that, it's on the Facebook. It's also available by just emailing and asking for it. You, 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 tube, 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 tube. Uh, we also have YouTube where we make a video. We make a video, we make a pizza. <laughs> we should make a video of us making the pizza. We probably should. Talking about a Dario Argento movie the entire time. It's a deal. Yeah. That's a deal. That's just like, that's exactly what we should do. First of all, I need the dough. Yeah. Now, Phenomena was made in, you know, like, I'm, I'm way on deck for that one. I'm way on deck for that one. Yeah. So you guys be sure to stay in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to sample the beers of your local oh, town. for real. So send us some burger to drink on the show. We'd appreciate that very much. Well, you guys have just been so loyal and wonderful and fantastic through these 102 episodes. 102 episodes. 102 That's episodes. That's as many Dalmatians as there were in the sequel. No doubt. Right? We're, we've caught up. Next week, we're passing them up. <laughs> Look at us go. Bring it on. You guys have been great. We have been Drad and Logly. That's us. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Later now. Bye. Bye, bye. We did it.